Well, hey, welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. I am your host, and I got to tell you, I am still hungover from TFCon Chicago. Of course, uh, TFCon Chicago uh, happened this last weekend, uh, October 21st through the 23rd, 2022, at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel and Conference Center in Rosemount, Illinois, which is uh, like a 40-minute train ride from Chicago. But I I guess that's kind of the thing with... with, um, uh, with this, these uh, TF cons and the cities that they're connected to, like like for example, TF con LA is in Burbank, uh, TF con Toronto is in Mississauga, and um, I haven't been to any other TF con, so I don't really know. <laughs> um, but no, I just uh, I, I I wanted to take the opportunity to just kind of recap my trip and kind of talk about some of the experiences I had and tell my stories and um, and, and talk about um, you know some of some of the cool folks I connected with and of course uh, tell some of the same stories that I'm sure you will end up hearing more than a couple times but uh, but before we get into that um, I do want to kind of let you know uh, about some uh, programming notes and some podcasts I've been a part of recently um, obviously if you haven't had the opportunity yet uh, check out uh, my most recent episode uh, it's uh it's the pilot if you will uh the the kind of test run episode of two mics too furious our transformers animated uh recap show with me and michael andrews uh and we reviewed the halloween episode of transformers animated i believe it's episode number nine it's called along came a spider and that's where you uh, learn about black arachnia's tragic origin story and a surprising connection to a a generation one character um uh, the gimmick with two mics too furious is michael andrews is a lifelong transformers animated fan he's um uh it's one of his favorite bits of transformers and because i'm a crusty g1er and uh didn't quite understand or appreciate the animation aesthetic at the time i chose to pass on tfa so this is actually my first time uh through so the discussions are very real i come to it from a very new person standpoint and he comes from it from a very veteran standpoint and the folks i talked to at tfcon that have heard the episode uh seem to dig it quite a bit and are looking forward to uh potentially more in the future we are looking to get that podcast off the ground before the end of the year we don't know exactly when yet um possibly that middle ground between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we'll, we'll see, but we do want to, uh, get it before the door, before the door closes on 2022, one to commemorate the 15th anniversary of TFA, but also to commemorate the, uh, the passing of, uh, of Derek J. Wyatt, who, uh, tragically passed earlier this year. So we, we, uh, long story short, we, we just want to make sure and get this off the ground before, uh, we close the door on uh 2022 um 
Also completely unrelated to Transformers, I want to let you know about another podcast I've been a part of. Um, I was recently a guest on the Stack of Dimes podcast, and uh, me and Camaro Kev, a.k.a. Thunder, we did a um, the sixth episode, I believe, in our slightly ongoing series called 3D Never Die. And he, uh, both he and I are uh, fans of 3D Blu-ray movies. He's a huge huge fan of 3D movies, going to see them. And I think the last time we did an episode was about two years ago. Uh, So it took us two years and the upcoming Avatar sequel and the re-release of the original Avatar movie um, uh, for us to uh, do another episode. But that was a fun conversation. Uh, You can find that over at stackofdimes.com and you get to hear me talk a little bit um, about uh, Black Adam and some of the uh, some of my theories about what the future of 3D Blu-ray is going to be and um, and uh, for for uh, fans of my uh, baby Spider-Man Tom Holland uh, Mr. Jack Mr. Jack ooh, gabagoo, um, I, there's there's some of that in there and my buddy my buddy Camaro Kev uh, does the the one thing that you should never do and starts laughing at me he he um, uh, much like Chandler um, Dude pops off when whenever whenever I bust out the uh, the baby Spider Man Tom Holland. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so uh, hilarity and shenanigans and tomfoolery um, uh, are happening on Three uh, D Never Die, uh, the uh, latest episode from Stack of Dimes. So you could go check that out. Um, stuff coming specifically out of TFCon, other places where you can find me this week. Um, I, I got to give a huge shout out to uh, the transmissions folks, uh, uh, Daryl, Jeremy, and Charles. Um, they uh, First, uh, I was a part of the podcaster roundtable to close out TFCon. I'll talk about that later. But in a little bit of time travel, that's the current episode of the Transmissions Podcast that is available now. Like, you can go to transmissionspodcast.com and get that episode right now. And it's it, it was a great panel. It was of uh, Daryl and Charles from Transmissions, uh, Trish and Josh from More Than Meets the Ear, uh, Diecast from Radio Free Cybertron, and yours truly. Uh, we had we had a really fun conversation and kind of went all over the road in terms of uh, different Transformers uh, topics. And I'm glad that I have in my own stream here, in my own show, I have the opportunity to get a couple more bites at the apple because there, there were a couple things that I I kind of only touched on briefly and uh, some other stuff that I just straight up didn't get the opportunity to talk about. So this is this is kind of like a way for me to, to kind of have it always. Uh, but also while we were there at TFCon, um, I recorded with Jeremy and Charles uh, a episode of uh, their their very popular uh, kind of sideshow mini show, Let's Talk Transformers, and to where they wanted to interview me and talk about my Transformers fandom as well as a bunch of other stuff as well. But they but they've they've talked to some uh, real luminaries in uh, in this space. Uh, most recently, they talked to Chris McFeely, the um, uh, Matt. 
mad genius behind Transformers the Basics, uh, one of one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, so uh, for me, that's kind of a tough act to follow. Uh, but it was it was a really fun conversation. We uh, we talked a lot about a lot of things. And through through this array of podcasts, whether it's here on Mike Seibert Radio or um, either episodes of Transmissions, you're going to hear versions of the same stories a couple times um, because... I want to continue to talk about my experience with uh, meeting Peter Cullen and hanging out with friends. And uh, there, there was just so many cool uh, moments uh, throughout TFCon Chicago that that I just kind of want to talk about. But we also went on uh, several tangents. Uh, uh, Jeremy asked me some really great questions about my fandom of nerdcore music and how I kind of got involved with, uh, with some of that scene. And we talked about other stuff I collected. Uh, we... Um, went on this uh, uh, tangent uh, comparing uh, the Siege Sideswipe molds, my collection there, and my collection of uh, Black Series Boba Fett uh, figures. Um, I seem to have a knack, and I didn't realize this until I had that conversation with those guys, is that I do seem to have a habit of buying the same figure multiple times just in different colors. It's not even, she's got a new hat. It's it's literally... um, well, this one is white. This one is black. This one is red. This one is blue. Um, and they uh, they ju- they just get me every time. So anyway, that that is going to be what's going to act as their episode of Transformers Alt Mode. I believe that comes out this Friday. Um, and uh, again, it's going to be the latest installment of Let's Talk Transformers uh, from the Transmissions podcast. Uh, uh, again, featuring uh, yours truly. So that's um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's so that's some other stuff that's not here on the main Mike Seibert feed uh, that you can um, uh, that you could check out. It's interesting now that the season has changed and we're now in fall autumn times. It seems like it's uh, gone from famine to gluttonous feast in terms of Mike Seibert radio con- content. Um, I've, uh, you know, I, I went from, I mean, shoot, I think my most recent episode before I started doing stuff in October was the episode when I talked to Jim Sorensen. And I think that was at the end of August. I don't think I even posted an episode in September. Uh, but now, in so much time, you've got my review of uh, the Blackened Whiskey, uh, Two Mics, Too Furious, um, hung around with the with the Autopod Decepticast guys, um, all of this stuff at TFCon, and all of the stuff with the Transmissions guys. Anyway, so yeah, I I hope I hope this will keep you satisfied uh, for for a few. And I have a couple other cool things um, that I'm working. Uh, the logistics through uh, that that um, um, I think I think now that the leaves are turning I think uh, uh, I think the content machine is really gonna fire back up so as I said before I'm basically through this um, I, I'm just gonna tell some stories I, I have uh, some uh, outline points and kind of talk about some of the uh, some of the things that I saw uh, during uh, TFcon um, so I, I'm gonna go through 
relatively chronologically as best as I can. Uh, but if you're uh, if you're watching the live stream, uh, feel free and jump in the comments, uh, ask me questions, uh, interact w- uh, with me as much as you would like, and um, you know we can uh, we can kind we can kind of drive the show from there. So um, I would like to start. Um, I, I suppose let's let's go all the way back to when I decided to uh, go to TFCon Chicago. Um, as I've said in many many other places, um, just based on the date, you know the the uh, second to the last weekend in October, kind of towards the uh, latter half of the month, uh, knowing that it was. Uh, me and my wife's 20 year anniversary. Um, not sure what our plans were going to be, what, what kind of trips we were going to do, what kind of celebrations we were going to do. I had no expectations that, that I was going to go to, uh, going to be able to swing it going to TFCon, especially after having gone to TFCon LA back in March. Um, and basically it, it was, it was a variety of, dominoes it was kind of a domino effect um but i i had been telling all of my friends it's like okay well we'll see you in chicago right and i'm like yeah no probably not don't count on it um but then as uh our my our plans uh lucky and i um our plans kind of solidified it became more um, clear that there perhaps was an opportunity for me to go to uh, TFCon in Chicago after all. And I'm really glad that we were able to make it work. And I'm really glad uh, that we did because I, I, I just had an amazing time. It was, it was, um, it was a terrific hang. It was a lot of fun. It was great uh, connecting with friends Again, uh, both old and new, and both uh, digital and analog. Um, I had I had more than a couple opportunities where I had met folks in real life for the first time, but I didn't realize that until after you know handshakes and bro hugs, and you know basically saying like, "Oh, well, you know, it's good to see you," which is different from saying it's nice to meet you. You know what I mean? It's like, so I, I feel like I knew these folks and had met these folks and, and were friends with, with people and really just um, having the opportunity to see folks in, uh, in real life and connect faces with names. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's really special. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's tons of cool stuff to do, at um at tfcon you know there's the dealer room there's the panels you know there's buying stuff and autographs and all that other stuff but really the the main draw for me is friendship uh the opportunity to see my friends and to uh connect with folks um but really it was uh the last couple guest announcements Obviously, the big one being Peter Cullen. Um, I had never met Peter Cullen before. You know, he's the uh, voice of Optimus Prime um, in, you know, obviously in Generation 1, but also in several other um, iterations. Um, It felt like it was a very special 
guest announcement. And I thought, because like I, I've, th- this was maybe my fifth TFCon. Um, and I had kind of a feeling for kind of the rhythm and cadence and, and the overall vibe of how, um, how these shows go and the caliber of guests that, that the convention brought in. And I, I just assumed thought that based on the appearances that Frank Welker and Peter Cullen together have been making at various larger conventions and toy shows, it felt to me that, that Peter Cullen was a bit out of reach as well as Frank Welker. Um, even though they have both, uh, separately been to TF cons before both of them have been to uh, TF con Toronto. I don't know my TF con history well enough to know if they had, um, if they've been to a U.S. TF con, um, Toronto is the TF con mothership. You know, mo- most of the staff and crew is from the Toronto area. So, and, and that's where it started. And incidentally, this is the 20th anniversary of, uh, of TF con. And, um, and you know, they, they, they put on a, a really good convention. It's, you know, I had never been to a, uh, specific fan convention, uh, before TF con when, when I first went to uh, Chicago back in 2018. Um, but you know, I, I just just having gone to larger conventions like Emerald City Comic Con here in Seattle, it's just it was just a different vibe, and you know, I had just gotten used to the way TF Con was. But anyway, I thought I thought Peter Collin was was out of reach, and so I was very surprised and excited when he was announced. Um, one of the projects. Uh, that I've been doing as a collectible over the last several years. Uh, since TFCon LA in 2019, um, I have been collecting autographs for f- creators or yeah, folks that specifically participated in Transformers the movie. So it's voice actors and writers. So, you know, so I've got like, you know, Flint Dilly and Ron Friedman and Doug Booth, but I've also got a variety of uh, voice actors as well. So Peter Cullen was definitely a huge get, um, a huge uh, signature uh, for that poster. And it's interesting because I've, I've, I have friends that have looked out for me because I, I haven't gone to every TF con. Like I, I missed, uh, DC. I missed Baltimore. Uh, this, uh, this Chicago show was the first time I've been back on the, the, uh, East coast, uh, since, uh, since COVID. Um, in fact, actually, I, this is the farthest I've flown uh, since uh, since the pandemic, and um, I, I've had friends offer to for me to ship my poster to them and get autographs, and I I always appreciate the gesture, but I always politely decline because. Yes, I want the autograph because it, it looks. I mean, it looks cool with uh, uh, with all of the signatures together on my Transformers the movie poster. But 
I also want to have the connection with that person to shake their hand, to look them in the eye and say, thank you. Um, those kinds of stories or, or talk about like the, the friends that I made in line. Um, I don't get those experiences if I just mail my poster off to uh, one of my good friends for them to get autographed in my stead. It's it's um, it's not the same. I again, I, I appreciate the gesture, um, but yeah, it's like so the autographs I want to get, um, I, I want to make sure that that I do it in person. Uh, during the pandemic, I, I remember. Uh, Peter Cullen did, and I think Frank Welker as well, they did a, a, a virtual convention. And I think my friend Apollo participated as well. Um, but um, I almost, I almost caved and I almost broke my rule. And uh, there, there's one of the things you could do with this convention is you can send them an item. And I almost sent them my poster and I flinched and I'm like, no. I'm going to hold out. Now, in all honesty, uh, Mr. Cullen isn't getting any younger. So so there was a part of that, and th- there was that um, mild urgency that made me want to make sure I wasn't missing the opportunity. But... Um, but still, I, I, I hold, I held steadfast and I'm glad I did. Um, because I did have the opportunity to meet Mr. Cullen and get his signature and to shake his hand and to tell him thank you. Uh, but, uh, but I'll tell that story in a, in a little more detail, um, as, uh, as we go and as I kind of get into it, uh, chronologically. Um, I, I've done, Kind of uh, like a TFCon 101 podcast that I I know uh, several of my friends and and uh, audience members have listened to and and uh, and you know have taken some wisdom from it. Um, the thing that I have learned is that I am very good at taking. I, I'm sorry at uh, giving advice. I'm not so good at. Uh, taking my own advice and applying it for myself. It reminds me of a meme that I saw around the time that the Obi-Wan Kenobi show uh, was coming out. It's, it's, um, it's Obi-Wan and it's uh, Uncle Owen and, uh, you know, oh, you know, the boy must be trained. And Uncle Owen is like, oh, like the way you trained his father. Oh, but anyway, then it's uh, then it's a, um, you know, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru from Star Wars where they're all charred out corpses. And then at the, the end of it, it's uh, Palpatine saying like, ironic, he could roast others, but he couldn't save himself from being roasted. Um, that's kind of how sometimes it goes with advice that I give. And one of those things is uh, uh, travel advice. Now, uh, since 9-11, it's been like, you got to get to the airport like two hours early because, you know, there's there's going to be additional security screening and it just it just takes a long time. Well, over the last 20 years, I have gotten more and more complacent and it slips just a little more with each passing year, um, especially 
now that we live in such close proximity to the SeaTac airport, um, we live two miles away from the airport. So I more or less, I, I think I set my alarm for two hours before my flight. Um, my flight left at 6 a.m. Um, and so, yeah, we left our place at 4.30. Well, no, I must have gotten up at 3.30 then. Yeah, no, that's what it was. Um, so I still got up at a decent time. So we leave 90 minutes before, and I almost missed the flight because... I, you know, I was still fast on my feet. I checked in, I checked my bags, no problem, but security. Now, I think I thought that um, uh, TSA and airports all across the country are having all kinds of uh, staffing shortages. And I really felt that impact at SeaTac because I uh, go in to do security screening and usually the gate I go through normally, I think it's the S gate, um, the line was already capped and it said like wait time, like 30 to 35 minutes. But I go there and a nice TSA person says, yeah, this line is full. Go down to checkpoint two. Well, the problem is, is that checkpoint two is literally on the other side of the airport. So I had to walk the distance of the airport to get to checkpoint two, only to discover that it was just as busy. And um, the other thing I didn't quite realize is the gates that my flight was leaving from. I fly, uh, flew Alaska and the, the gate that we were flying out of was two tram rides away. So you take one tram ride, then you get on a connecting tram and it uh, underground train and it, and it takes you out there. Um, boarding for my 6am flight was five twenty. at five thirty, I get out of security and then it's the race. And I hustled all the way to the gate. I get on the plane at 5.45. Um, I go to the the gate, and there is nobody there. Uh, just the, the nice fella waiting to scan my boarding pass. Um, and I told him, hey, man, well, I, I want to come to Chicago after all today. Um, but what was great... And my buddy Ryan King uh, pointed this this out to me later as I was as I was getting situated. Um, I was not the last one on the plane. There were there were folks after me, um, but Ryan was right in that I do like to cut it close. So like back in March and at TFCon LA, uh, that. Uh, convention center or hotel is directly across the street from the Burbank airport. So you walk basically like I checked out of the hotel, started walking across the street, walked across, checked in, walked through security and then walked up the gate and then walked onto the airplane. I didn't wait around. I didn't do nothing like like they They were already boarding when I got there. So now I have a reputation for cutting it very close. My advice my unheeded advice is, yeah, you know what? You probably want to go back to uh, getting to the airport two hours early, uh, regardless. Um, 
uh, where you are. Um, I had a couple folks on Twitter ask me like as, as I was um, uh, posting some of the photos. Um, so uh, my buddy Ryan is there like with uh, with his phone already out taking a picture of me because, you know, he he had been on the plane for a long time. And was uh, very comfortable, whereas I was like sweating. I had my jacket on. It was, it was gross. Um, I also learned that you can't buy food on Alaska Airlines anymore. You have to pre-order it ahead of time. I didn't know any of that. So so a lot of my lessons are like know before you go type of things. Maybe like look into some stuff instead of just going. But um, but the flight was was um, was good was uneventful. Um, I was delighted to find the weather in Chicago to be very nice, and the air quality was really good. That uh, that weekend in the Seattle area in Washington, uh, because of like the forest fires uh, uh, converging, uh, we had the worst air quality in the world. Uh, it was smoky and thick, and it was gross, and it was kind of nice to get some uh, uh, fresh air. Um, it was nice, like sunny and and you know kind of brisk, but not cold. And the wind didn't really kick up until nighttime, so so that was that so that was kind of rad. Um, fortunately, I was able to get checked in. I um, arrived just after noon. Um, so I don't know, it was noon 30 by the time I got to the hotel. Uh, fortunately, uh, they were uh, able to let me check in. And um, from there, you know, I think I took a nap and chilled out. But TFCon really began uh, when I made myself uh, down to the the hotel restaurant. Um, now here in uh, TFCon Chicago, the uh, restaurant is the uh, is the Caddyshack Bar, the Murray Brothers Caddyshack Restaurant, and it's basically it, it's it, it's a Bill Murray themed restaurant, and it's it's I don't know, it's basically like a Red Robin except it's all Bill Murray movie posters. I couldn't really tell if they had like specific themed drinks, but um, I, I'm sure I'll talk about this later. But that uh, that place sucks. Um, you know, like just in terms of like the quality of the service, the quality of the food, um, and really one of the themes that will drive the stories of TFCon Chicago is just that the the scene was just lame. Uh, the uh, visibility bar that used to be the home of many a late night hang uh, apparently didn't survive the Rona, uh, did not reopen after COVID. Um, and there was a, the, the other restaurant, I don't remember the name of it, just the, the hotel restaurant, didn't open any of the time I was there. But I think that's where folks were getting breakfast and brunch and stuff. Um, I slept a little too late to take advantage of any kind of breakfast stuff. So I was doing like sandwiches and things like that. But, but yeah, no, um, uh, Caddyshack, super lame. Um, and I, I don't necessarily specifically blame the staff, but... I, I, I either I, I think they were either not prepared for a nerd convention to come to town or they just didn't want us there. Either way, at several turns, me and my friends felt specifically unwelcomed, which was um, 
which was which was a little frustrating. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think I want to dwell too much more on that for now, but, but the highlight, you know, TFCon started when I, I go down to, to get some lunch and who is sitting posted up at the bar, uh, but none other than my dude Melvar from the Radio Free Cybertron podcast. And it was interesting because like, you know, I had talked about earlier about like, you know, friends that, you know, you know, in different spaces. And I'd seen Melvar a few times. Um, he's usually paired with his uh, Radio Free Cybertron co-host, Diecast. Uh, they, they've got kind of like a Jay and Silent Bob thing going on. Um, very similar to their dynamic on the podcast itself. You know, you know, Diecast will talk as much as the day is long, but... Um, uh, Melvar is really good for like, like a one liner or a zing or a, uh, smart mouth comment, um, uh, but doesn't talk a whole bunch kind of, kind of seems to do more listening and let, letting his friends talk. Um, but it didn't occur to either of us. It didn't occur to me until we had been hanging out for over two hours talking about um, uh, Marvel movies and Marvel Legends toys and what's wrong with the Ghost Driver HasLab and how we can fix it. Um, we created this whole alternate plot line for the Thunderbolts movie that that um, and the opportunity to do it that um, I, I think folks would be uh, pretty, uh, pretty satisfied with. Basically... Um, very similar to how it happened in the comics when Thunderbolts came on the scene is that's the first thing you do after Avengers Endgame, after spoilers, all of the uh, most of the original Avengers are um, either dead or no longer part of the uh, main Avengers team. And then this new team of new heroes comes in and surprise, surprise, they're all villains. Uh, but they're all villains that we've seen before, like, you know, Claw and Justin Hammer and sure, you know, uh, Yelena Belova, the the other Black Widow, you know. Um, um, so some of the knuckleheads that we that have been announced as part of the MCU's uh, Thunderbolts project, but not like Red Guardian or Winter Soldier. Soldier or, you know, uh, characters have been overused or not necessarily necessary in in this context. Mainly, I think we were just kind of both sore that they killed off Claw in a Black Panther. Um, great narrative um, a moment for uh, the Killmonger character, but, you know, it kind of it kind of denies us a, a really good um, opportunity for a great Marvel villain. But anyway, so so we talked for hours there at the bar um, because like it was early enough in the day where the throng of revelers hadn't shown up yet. Um, and I think the majority of our friends um, hadn't shown up yet either. So it was really just kind of he and I, um, but it didn't occur to us. Uh, for a rather significant amount of time that we hadn't really, he and I just talked. Um, Cause it's usually always like he's next to diecast or I'm with the APDC guys. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a nice treat to be able to hang out with him. And 
um, going one better, I don't know if we had actually like formally met to the point where it's like shaking hands. Hi, I'm Mike. Hi, I'm Melvar. But it's but, you know, we're, we're Twitter mutuals. We're podcast buddies. So but but that that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of these relationships that are already real. So like when they when they transcend into reality and the real world, it's um you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel new. Um, so as as time passes, um, it's getting closer to registration time. And um, I think then how how did that happen? Because like basically like so the uh, my friends, Aaron, Ryan and Caleb, the Autopod Decepticast, they show up. Um, I see, uh, Jeremy from, uh, transmissions and we're all starting to do the lineup for registration. And, um, this might get into some of the conversation that I talk about with regards to, um, Saturday, but TFCon is, odd and unusual in terms of how they do registration. So it's kind of like a, I have referred to it this way before, but TFCon is a big, small show. So it, it has, it has very much like a, a, a small show roots to it, but, um, but it's also pretty darn big. So basically what happens is, you know, you buy your tickets and then, like, you get a QR code from, um, uh, not Eventbrite, but uh, maybe it is. Anyway, you get you get a um, um, QR code in your email, um, and you're on a list as well. Because, like, I couldn't figure out how to get my QR code into my Google Wallet. It's it was a, it was a whole OK Boomer thing. Um, but they they were just able to check me in. Um, uh, by my last name. So basically what happens is you buy your tickets, then you go on site, then you get in line to register, you register, then you get your, uh, wristband, your goodie bag, and, um, and, and then, and then you're ready to go. Um, unlike say like, uh, bigger conventions where like they mail you passes or if there's like badges and lanyards and um, things like that. So, so it is a little different, but it is time consuming. Um, but that's the time that you want to make line buddies, either new friends, old friends, no matter how you slice it. I, I think going through that Friday registration line, I made a, a, a fair amount of both. Um, so it was it it was just uh, um really fun. Um Jeremy had uh from Transmissions had invited me to uh roll with a crew out to go see Black Adam. And um he had he had asked me several weeks ago um come to find out uh they they had bought like a a batch of tickets to go see the Black Adam movie and it was um it, it was a couple things because like i i i politely declined because i didn't want to miss the um later evening panels the transformers the movie first draft panel which i'll which i'll talk about um in a moment um so i just i wanted to make sure and stay close and really i just also just kind of wanted to stay close to the hotel and the scene and um 
And not to put too fine a point on it, this was not the reasoning, but it was a factor. I had already seen the movie. I I saw a uh, press screening on Wednesday. Um, And... Briefly, my thoughts on Black Adam. I well, one, I I wasn't in a hurry to um, uh, go back and rewatch it. I do actually kind of want to see it again because now that the movie is out, uh, there has been some discourse that does make me kind of want to take a uh, another look at it. But my um, so briefly in this uh, TFCon recap, it's my review of Black Adam. Um, I didn't dislike it. I don't know if I especially liked it either. And what I told the um, the nice lady from the uh, studio rep, uh, the lady with the clipboard that you talk to when you come out of press screenings, it's like you know you, uh, they're they're usually looking for like a sentence or maybe a couple sentences, a couple words that they can pass on to the studio, and. What I told the rep at the time on Wednesday before the movie came out was like, I think this is a uh, terrific vehicle for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Um, but the rest of the movie is it's so generic that it feels to me like it was written by an A.I., that you fed every superhero movie into because it feels like it touches on a bunch of the same tropes. It is very much paint by numbers. That doesn't mean it's especially bad, but in terms of who is it for, you got to ask yourself if, if you are planning to, to watch black Adam, it hinges on one question and think of it like a diagram where it's like, yes, no, you know, and, and then branching, uh, 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 outcomes. It all hinges on your appetite for Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Do you like the rock? Yes. No, no, this movie is not for you. No further questions. Yes. Then, um, if you are a fan specifically of Dwayne The Rock Johnson and The Rock, and um, that's who it's for. It's for fans of The Rock. Now, so yes, next path. You know, are are you a fan of the the DCEU, the soon-to-be DC Studios or whatever they're calling it? Yes, no. Um, no, this movie's not for you. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> Next path. Um, are you a fan of the current state of the DCEU? Meaning like the the uh, so-called Snyderverse? Yes, no. Um, actually, I, I don't think that really particularly matters because like, I feel like it fits in with those movies. Uh, but it also stands apart from them, those movies. But it's... Um, it is a fascinating little movie, and I think it does have a couple things to say. I, um, I kind of liked uh, Dwayne Johnson's stoic um, performance. Um, I do think you get some good fish out of water stuff, not all that dissimilar to uh, Wonder Woman or any other superhero movie where the fish is out of water. But also, it 
I feel like it cribs quite a bit from Terminator 2 to the point where it's like, you know, even if this machine, this Terminator could, uh, um, you know, learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, there, there's, there's a lot of borrowed themes in Black Adam. So it is like a weird mix. And I didn't realize because I was in TFCon lockdown while, while this was happening, I didn't realize that the post-credit scene was um, essentially spoiled because I had listened to a review where more or less the, the content of the review was all about the post-credit scene and not really anything else. And I was kind of sore because I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, this movie is out on Monday. The movie just came out. What what are you doing spoiling that that post credit scene? It's a it's um it's a big surprise that's not really a surprise, but it turns out that uh that there was a whole news article uh in the trades um all that weekend talking about that character's return to these movies and I just I, I thought that that was really odd because it does it makes for a compelling uh, post credit scene. Um, I, I do have some more things that I could say on it, but you tuned in to uh, my TFCon recap, so I will. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll curb the the uh, uh, Black Adam uh, talk for now. Um. So from there. Um, oh my gosh, I haven't even gotten into the uh, convention proper yet. I, um, I connected with Josh and Trish. They, they were, uh, Josh was, uh, helping, um, usher folks at the registration line and Trish was, Trish was kind of a, a line wrangler, uh, kind of towards the mid to end point. I, um, uh, encouraged her to buy some autopodicepticast buttons from uh, from Caleb. He was the button man. He had like he had like a backpack with a full of full of APDC buttons on there. But it was it was just uh, um, it was one of those things where you're seeing a um, I don't know cavalcade or roll call. You know, it's a um, you know, you just kind of like see a roll call of various folks. It's like, oh, hey, it's you. Oh, hey, it's you. And uh, so so uh, there was just a nice concentration of that. Um, from there, you know, after after registration, um, me and the APDC guys um, hung out in my room for a few. Um, I had some gifts for them. I had a uh, Thomas Deere print of uh, Transformers Season 3, which cracked me up because Thomas was there tabling at TFCon Chicago. So I was like, well, it seems silly that I bought a print in TFCon LA to bring to Chicago to gift to you. But it worked out okay because um, Thomas Deere had sent since sold out of those prints so so it worked out just fine and then i also gifted them um uh, a handful of things from ashley artley as well uh stuff that i had bought at Cybefest. because um as you recall from my Cybefest northwest uh recap i went a little nuts at ashley's table and i bought a bunch of gifts and uh, some of those were for the apdc guys um 
my uh, my room was actually pretty cool. It was like like a corner room, so I've got like windows on two sides, and so like I could look out and see you know the parking lot and the parking structure, and the large outlet mall. Um, uh, you know, it was uh, fashion outlets of Chicago. Um, I'll talk about that in a few, but um, I know if you if you're watching or listening, thinking my dude is like four teases in deep. How's he's going to keep track of that? I got notes. (laughs) I I spent a good chunk of last night, just kind of like bullet pointing stuff, um, just kind of skeletally. So I wouldn't forget. I think what I'm going to do uh, next time I go to a convention, specifically a TF con is maybe either like before I go to bed depending upon what my level of coherence and cognition is at, at that point, if you know what I mean. And I think that you do, um, um, or early in the morning, uh, before I get going, maybe, maybe do some light journaling, like in terms of like, you know, who I hung out with, what I did, because even like, as I was, uh, cobbling together my notes, uh, last night, it there were gaps. Um, it's like, have you ever felt lost time? And when I was talking to Lucky about it this morning before I went to work, and she's like, well, you were probably just BSing with people, just meeting people and talking and visiting. Um, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Not taking into account the time that that stuff takes, because that that was the better portion of my convention. Convention-wise, I didn't do all that much um like i went to almost no panels um i only bought a couple things from uh from the dealer room um so but yeah it was it was really like those friendship experiences type of thing so anyway we uh we decide to go and and be a part of the convention uh we kind of catch the tail end of the um uh the first panel uh which was the licensed transformers oddity uh oddities hosted by rick alvarez um uh rick is a bit of a polarizing figure in the fandom but i have had no interaction with him really positive or negative so it's not my place to say uh one way or another what i do know is that he does put on a a really good panel and the oddities panel was really neat because it was like you know uh well, licensed oddities. So it's like anything that has been licensed through Hasbro or Paramount or whatever, including like Lunchables and foodstuffs and and uh, uh, various play items. And I mean, it was it was it was um, it was some neat stuff. But then it gets into uh, the opening ceremony where it's just basically uh colin the the um, show show organizer welcoming folks in and then we get into um what i was there to see i mean oh oh man you know what i i had gotten so into my own head about like telling uh story sequentially i forgot to square off the um the the sequence of stuff that that led me to go to tfcon so it was it was peter cullen 
obviously, but the other huge domino that really got my my uh, interest up was uh, Sue Blue, the uh, voice of Arcee and the voice director for Beast Wars, and as well as uh, uh, tons of other stuff. I mean, like she she's had a pretty expansive career in voice acting in ways that don't always involve her talking into a microphone. So, uh, but anyway, so I've 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 wasn't sure like if she did conventions uh, because I, I had never seen her uh, do conventions before. So I wasn't sure. Uh, but anyway, I, I was the, the one, two punch of Peter Cullen and Sue blue. That, that was something that I could not resist. The other thing that I could not resist. And I'm not saying that my podcast specifically manifested a TFCon panel but I'm pretty sure my podcast manifested a TFCon panel. As you recall, uh, earlier this year during the summer at TF Nation, uh, Jim Sorensen and Chris McFeely, um, along with um, uh, various art, uh, commissioned art pieces and some other multimedia stuff, did this extravaganza of a presentation of the recently discovered first draft of the Transformers the movie. And, um, you know, and I, I've talked a lot about it here on my podcast. We did two two-hour episodes on Autopod Decepticast uh, with, uh, with Captain Alexis. And um, so we spent a lot of time in that material. But when I interviewed Jim Sorensen to kind of get the story behind the story of how that panel came to be, where this draft of the script came from, and all of that, I, I had mentioned both on Twitter as well as in the podcast proper, it's like, well, Ron Friedman has already been announced as a guest at TFCon Chicago. What are the chances of um, doing a panel very similar to the one that Chris McFeely and Jim Sorensen did, except this time with Ron Friedman himself commenting and, um, and, and sharing some of those stories. So for me, that was, I don't want to say more of a draw than Peter Cullen and Sue Blue, but pretty darn close. It started at 8.10. It was the first draft of Transformers the Movie with writer Ron Freeman and Jim Sorensen. And I had been telling my friends that I really wanted to see this. Um, and there there were a couple competing things going on. Like like I had said, you know, the, the folks had invited me to uh, go watch the Black Adam movie. Um, my other friends from Autopod Decepticast were also very interested in a uh, wrestling match that um, that our our friend uh, uh, the Moon Dog Greg Murray was participating in, and we didn't realize at the time that the the VFW that this uh, um, this uh, uh, wrestling match was taking place in is like. 10 minutes away from the from the hotel we were staying at um so it wasn't until like you get on site you start doing the google maps and things like that um so they were kind of having um not angst but 
um, you know, a, a dilemma of what they wanted to do. Because, like, on one hand, they've hit it off with uh, with Greg in a big, bad way. He, he's a, a Patreon patron of their show, huge fan. He and I have had some um, um, interaction as well. Seems like a really good dude and very passionate about... Um, what he's doing in the the independent wrestling scene, it uh, it, it reminds me of the uh, indie wrestling scene we have here in the Seattle area, like with with Defy and what um, uh, Ethan HD is doing and Steve Miggs, and uh, th- there there is a thriving uh, scene. And my dude Nick keeps wanting to take me to a Defy show, and I I keep finding ways to not go, and I I really need to do it. I really need to um uh see a indie wrestling show because i mean again i i'm i'm a lapsed wrestling fan like you know i i had a i had a nwo t-shirt when i when i was in high school i i hung tough through the attitude era uh of wwe but um really that was one of those things that you know i just i just kind of grew out of and shifting uh, tastes and and changing interests. I just I just kind of um, I, I got out of it. But there there's always been a little bit of me that that has had um, affection for uh, uh, for wrestling. So there was a part of me that like if, if circumstances were different. I'd have totally wanted to go because yeah, seeing seeing a bunch of dudes wrestle around in a VFW hall. That sounds pretty rad, but um, but this this um, this Jim Sorensen, Ron Friedman first draft of Transformers the movie panel, I knew it was going to be something special, and I knew it was something I didn't want to miss, um, especially because of my connection one Transformers the movie, but also this specific material because like I feel like again I've done several hours of podcasting about it. So I, I mean, for me to ditch out on that, um, felt disingenuous. Um, but that's a uniquely me thing that that's no judgment or mark on anybody else. Um, so my friends were, were kind of having a dilemma about that. And then, and then in the meantime, Johnny Utah shows up, he's there with his brother. And so he's, he's looking to go uh, check out the wrestling as well. So, um, this panel, the, the Ron Friedman, Jim Sorensen panel, and we weren't sure how it was going to go because, Jim doesn't have that same relationship with Ron Friedman that he does with, say, like Flint Dilly, the the story consultant of Transformers the movie. Um, so nobody was really sure how it was going to go. So it starts off, and I'm not going to recap the entire panel, but uh, but but I do want to talk about some uh, specific things. Um, it starts off with Jim giving a. Uh, eloquent introduction of kind of how the TF nation thing came together and um, you know, the, the, the discovery of this first draft script amongst Flint Dilly stuff, and then how the, it was uh, sold to a private buyer. And then that buyer gave consent for Jim to do scans of the, um, of the script and that and gave further permissions for not the script to be released, 
but for it for a uh, truncated summary to be presented for um, uh, convention goers. You know, check out my interview with Jim Sorensen for for more of that story and check out our episodes of Autopod Decepticast where we where we really, really, really uh, get into it. So I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on it so much here. But basically, like this was the opportunity to kind of get the story straight in terms of where this script came from, how did it get out? What what was what was Ron Friedman's headspace? And the after this introduction, Jim asks Ron um, what he was thinking about and what his headspace was when he went to write this first draft of Transformers the movie, and. If you're not familiar with Ron Friedman, you know, he, he's the credited writer of the Transformers, the movie. He's also the credited writer of G.I. Joe, the movie. He has a had a great agent um, and got a terrific um, deal where um, or arrangement or whatever, where basically like regardless of how much the story is changed um, because you know, the, what we've seen of transformers, the movie is significantly different than this first draft. And even um, a lot of differences between his second draft GI Joe, the movie is, is, is violently different, uh, but he's still the credited writer. He also did uh, uh, punch ups and, as he calls them, rewrites of the first 65 episodes of uh, of the Transformers cartoon um, and wrote the original five-parters for G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. So he's got bona fides and he does have street credit and he is an iconic part of all of this. But um, Ron Friedman is a... He's an eccentric fellow. He's he's a very old-timey Hollywood person and and the way that he talks and the his um his manner of speaking, the way he tells stories, his turns of phrase, it's all very um old-fashioned and and again very old-timey Hollywood like um he reminds me a lot of Stan Lee also in terms of like um aggressive unending self-promotion um i i want to see a biopic of uh Stan Lee and Ron Friedman as like like a road trip movie you know Stan and Ron on the road because they they really are of a kind um and they they had a uh, terrific working relationship where Ron Friedman created the Marvel Action Hour and uh, along with uh, with Stan Lee um and so anyway so um i i think it's interesting because one of my criticisms of Ron Friedman is that he um he tells lengthy stories. I mean, his uh, the depth of insight and the profound wisdom that he has 
is um, is really something to experience. I sometimes, though, find myself a little impatient, which is shockingly ironic, given that I have now been talking to you for an hour, and I'm still on Friday night of a of my uh, uh, TFCon Chicago recap. Um, it uh, uh, jumping ahead a little bit. It reminds me. Um, a bit of a line that Jim Sorensen had where basically they go through like what is essentially act one of the original script. And I think it had been, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes or so. And the crowd was getting a little fussy and he's like that that's the end of act one. And there was an audible groan um, in the crowd. And he's like, no, nah, don't worry. I acts two and three go by very quickly. And they, and they did. But the first thing from Ron Friedman, when Jim Sorensen asked him about where his headspace was when writing that first draft of Transformers the movie, he gives a conservatively 20-minute explanation about um, his career in writing and the power of myth and writing fundamentals. And I don't think he ever really gets around to answering the specific question. The answer that he gave, the things that he said were profound and insightful. And I saw a lot of bobbing heads and and there was, there was a dude behind me uh, next to Johnny Utah, who was like feeling it like, like the guy that would hold up the sign that said, your music saved me, you know, that, that guy. Um, So it was just like, he was just, he was just feeling everything Friedman was saying um, like in his soul, which, which is terrific. I I'm glad that he had that impact, but what I've, found for myself and um i think this this is kind of a uniquely me thing is i well i do appreciate that ron friedman does have um amazing stories to sell to sell to tell that was a freudian slip uh, by his book uh i killed optimus prime so sue me but no he um he just can't get to it. Um, again, like if I if I ever make Mike Seibert Radio podcast merchandise and I want to do like a button or a sticker that says brevity is not my first best strength, um, I would gift one of those to Ron Friedman because um, that dude cannot tell a story quickly to save his life. And... I, I do find some irony in that, but I would also say that perhaps that's why it bothers me. Um, I remember when Aaron uh, from Autopod Decepticast uh, interviewed Ron Friedman for the first time at TFCon LA in 2019. Um, he and I collaborated on it. Uh, Aaron asked the, the questions and I operated uh, the equipment. Um, so I was kind of like the engineer uh, for, uh, for that project. And... They talked for an hour, and I don't think anybody mentioned anything about the Transformers the movie. And one of the things that that I was 
Um, I, I still regret this because the guys in particular were very excited for that opportunity. And I know Aaron was excited for that opportunity. Um, and I remember as soon as it got done, he asked me what I thought. And I was like, oh, it was fine. You know, I, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of shruggy, a little indifferent, but I wanted to be polite, but he pressed me on it. He's like, no, really? What, what's up? Something's up. What's up? I'm like, well, for you guys being a Transformers, the movie podcast, and for him being the writer of the Transformers, the movie, you guys didn't really talk about the Transformers, the movie. So, um, and that's always bugged me because I, I wish I could have gotten over my own nonsense to not stomp on my dude's moment. That that was that was not a good moment of friendship, uh, in my opinion. But I have found that since uh, Ron Friedman has since become a uh, staple of these TF cons uh, to the point where he's selling books. He's selling signed, uh, signed photos with he and Stan Lee. Uh, he's selling autographs, you know, so it, it's great. And at 90 years old, um, make that paper. I, I admire the hustle. Good for him. I don't necessarily have anything bad to say, but other than just my own personal sensibilities, it's like I wish he would just kind of get to, um, one, answer the question that was asked, but then, yeah, maybe get to it a, um, a scratch quicker. Anyway, he gives this lengthy, lengthy response, and one of my favorite things was to watch the reaction um, of Jim Sorensen as Ron Friedman is giving these answers. Um, if Jim and I were to play poker together, um, I don't think anybody would take anybody's money because uh, we both have about the same poker face. It's just like, I mean, I mean, you know, he certainly wasn't like impolite or incordial or anything like that. But like, you know, some of the things that Ron Friedman says is just big galaxy brain energy. And um, and and it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to absorb. So I think that's what was driving uh, uh, some of Jim's reactions. But he's also hosting a panel. So he's trying to figure out how to keep things uh, progressing. And basically what what Jim did was present the the slides that with the art pieces uh, that were uh, commissioned for that TF Nation extravaganza talking about the the first draft. Um, so at a at a certain point, there there's a divergence. Like basically, um, Jim is, talking about the slides and the primary differences in story between the first draft of the movie and what we ultimately saw. Meanwhile, tagging back and forth with Ron Friedman, he's telling different stories of old Hollywood. And, you know, he talks about like teaching writing and and again, just some incredibly profound stuff that as time went on, 
became less and less related to the business of writing the Transformers the movie. Now, this was something that that he had written, what, 38 years ago, almost 40 years ago. Um, So I don't think any of us were expecting him to have total recall. But it was fascinating to watch that divergence point. And from that point forward, it was two panels happening at the same time. It's like you would have Ron Friedman talk. And then you'd have Jim Sorensen talk. And very rarely did they did they intertwine, did they um, intersect. Um, I recorded some bootleg audio of, um, of the panel, and I specifically didn't listen to it for this because I didn't want to necessarily get bogged down any more than I already am. I think I'm going to check it out and, uh, you know, see if there, if there's more opportunity for, for, um, analysis, um, maybe even have Jim back on the show, um, to, to talk about talking about it. Um, but the, um, I, I think I was starting to get disappointed because I just wanted more insight. I, I just, I, I crave now that, now that this, original script that we knew had existed but wasn't available um you know i just i just want more stories about it i just want to hear more about it and i didn't feel like i was getting it um now jim had asked a couple um interesting questions that that yielded some some interesting answers one was it was jim's assumption and he had said so on my podcast that that um the second draft of the script came from feedback from hasbro to which ron disagreed he's like i i never had any interactions with hasbro and uh to me, the the biggest revelation of the panel is Jim Sorensen brings out this memo, and the um, there it's it's a typed note, presumably from someone at Hasbro, and it has handwritten annotation on it, and the assumption was that it was Ron Friedman's handwriting. It's not. Um, and and it was interesting how these things happen organically and in real time, because uh, Jim is making references like, "Oh well, hey, here's here's this memo from Hasbro, and here's your handwritten notes." And Ron Friedman was like, "I never got a memo from Hasbro. That's not my handwriting. I'm an architect. I don't write. I print." And um and. and and Jim had this moment of like, like, but it came from your estate. Like there, there was years ago, there was a lot um, that went to auction, which uh, was like a copy of that first draft of the script. And then also this memo that Ron Friedman had claimed he had never seen before in his life, but yet came from his estate. So, um, how that happened is still unclear, but basically, like as Jim and Ron are sorting this out in real time, turns out it was from um, 
uh, Joe Griffin and Jay Bacall, the heads of the advertising agency. Basically, what had happened was Hasbro went to Griffin and Bacall. It's their handwriting on the memo. And then they, in turn, take that and go back to Ron Friedman for... um, uh, notes regarding like which characters to kill like in in the original first draft of the script a lot of the new characters are killed off and Hasbro was like well you can't kill off the new characters we're going to make toys out of them but here's a list of characters you can kill um, and on that list was Optimus Prime and basically everyone else from the 1984 line and part of the 1985 line of toys that were discontinued, which, as we know, is a huge component of why there's such a body count on Transformers the movie, because it's supposed to wipe out the the 1984 line to bring in the 1986 line of figures. So you kill off all of your favorite characters and then give you brand new characters. And one of the things that was driving that discussion was whether that came from Ron Friedman's imagination or if it was an edict from Hasbro. And turns out, all of the main story points that we know as being part of Transformers the movie, including killing off characters, including Optimus Prime and Megatron, that all came from Ron Friedman. Um, Because basically, all Hasbro did was ask him to write a movie. They didn't give him any parameters, didn't give him any feedback. So this first draft is him just running buck wild. Um, And later on, it got further refined. But um, it was interesting to hear about that communication and how Ron was just like, I've never seen that memo. That's not my handwriting. And Jim's saying, well, it's from your estate. So that that uh, that that little bit of uh, contention was was um, um, entertaining uh, to watch. The other thing that I really liked, and this is because I'm too close to the material as a podcaster, uh, because I, I've I've spent a lot of time looking at those slides of that presentation of uh, from TF Nation. I had taken for granted and forgotten about that there were there was an entire room full of folks that had not seen those new character designs and the the reaction was very similar to at tf nation but when jim clicks on the slide and he sets it up so brilliantly you know uh, we're, we're talking about the um uh the train character and it's like you know there's there's a slide where it's like oh well you know this train comes in and it's you know it's carrying all of the autobots and then then it has like transform uh phase alpha or phase bravo or whatever it is and it turns into a futuristic uh, bullet train or whatever and people are just like uh-huh uh-huh and then you get to the next slide and the third transformation or second transformation of this train character into a snake 
called Rails. Um, when he clicks on it and showed Rails to the crowd, there was an audible gasp. Folks were clapping. Folks were cheering. And I had forgotten because I was so close to the material that, uh oh, there's people in the Transformers fandom who have never seen Rails before. Wow! Um, so I, I, I thought that that was a, I thought that was a really cool moment, as well as like some of the other uh, revelations and slides from from the actual story. But I thought I thought that that was. I, I thought that that was a, a really cool moment and and a really cool panel. So, panel was great. Um, glad that I went. Um, it was interesting, and I, I don't. I I'm not gonna drop a dime on my friends, but basically, like, um, uh, one of my buddies like didn't make it past that first Ron Friedman esoteric uh, dissertation lecture about the power of myth and and writing. Um, And he just noped right out of that. Never saw that dude for the rest of the night. Then my other friends um, are kind of getting itchy. And really, that decision to go to the wrestling show was kind of looming large. Like, okay, well, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be the Ron Friedman show. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to hang for this. And most of them left, and then I was, I was left with my buddy Caleb, and it's interesting. So he, um, he was trying to get my temperature. Like halfway through the panel, he's like are you enjoying this? Um, and are you upset that we're leaving? And I told him, I go, maybe, and I don't know. And I mentioned, and, and you've seen, I mean, you're watching me here on video, you know, I could be, um, expressive. Um, and, and again, don't have much of a poker face. So he's telling the story later in the evening about like, I asked Mike these questions and he answered me and I saw right through it, but no. Um, so, Caleb hung around with me um, for a while. Um, And then at a certain point, he, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it seemed like he had gotten what he, this was after the memo. Um, He had gotten what he was looking for and was ready to join his friends at the wrestling show. And I'm kind of bummed uh, because, I mean, it's, you know, one of the things that I say in my TFCon 101 uh, videos or podcasts is that it's like Disneyland. You can't do everything. And the thing with the wrestling show is it, it's an example of you got to make choices and you can't do everything. And that's how it went with me. Like, I would have liked to have gone, but I really wanted to watch this panel. This was one of the things that I came there for. And then I had to kind of overcome my disappointment early on with uh with what my perceived quality of Ron Friedman's responses were but at the end of it I really dug it and I really liked it and I thought it was great and it looked like the guys had a great time uh they snapped some pictures with Greg they they got to uh, uh they got they got to see him wrestle uh do one of his matches and just saw mayhem at the end so everybody got what they wanted um out of that um and so yeah so after that you know it, it's it's just kind of cloud 9 uh, but the the convention, well, the convention technically hasn't started yet. But that but that's kind of it for um, 
show floor activities. Um, I went back up to my room and, um, you know, called my wife to say goodnight. And, and it's, this worked out to my benefit because, um, being back in Seattle, Chicago is two hours ahead. So 10 PM for me is only eight o'clock at home. So I'm notoriously bad of losing track of time and, um, not being as considerate and conscientious of those late night phone calls as I should. So 10 o'clock for me, eight o'clock back home worked out just fine. And, I'm talking about, well, you know, I'm kind of hungry. I, you know, I, I had burgers with Melvar hours ago. I should probably go find some dinner. And I go down to, I return to the Caddyshack bar. And that's when I bump into uh, my buddy Andy, uh, Go Go Andy Robo, uh, AKA the guy who did um, the logos and caricature and um you know my my avatar you know uh, cover art basically as well as the uh the the flyers um that i had as well um so had a um he um he bought me a drink and then jim Sorensen is there uh just hanging out and then um our crew grows um aaron archer comes out and, and uh, hangs out with us for a few. And so we decide to get a table and we get a table and um, it, it was a booth table, but there wasn't quite room for, I, I think I would have been like the sixth person or the fifth person, or I don't, I, I don't remember. But anyway, I, um, um, I grabbed a bar stool to hang out on the corner um, or on the, on the edge too tall. So then I'm like, well, shoot. So then I go to a, a standing table and I go get a chair too short. So <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was bad. So I just ended up standing, but the, um, uh, server comes over and he's like, well, what can I get you guys? And I have, a, I'm, I'm clutching a, a menu in my hand, like a latchkey kit. And I was like, well, I was hoping I could get some food. And he laughs at me. He's like, uh, yeah, no kitchen is closed, buddy. Uh, drinks only. And I didn't appreciate that, but I, you know, I, you know, order a drink or whatever. Meanwhile, our uh, more people are filtering in because visibility bar is closed. People have nowhere to go that are on site. Um, and then that's when when the um, guys get back from uh, the wrestling. And so, I mean, there there was I mean, our, our crew was pretty deep and it was it was getting later. It was like approaching a, maybe 11 um, and um Caleb and I are talking. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Somebody had uh, the idea. Maybe it was Jim. Maybe it was Andy. Maybe it was Aaron Archer. I don't know. Uh, but somebody suggested the idea of getting pizza. And I was like, oh, you know, we, we could just get a pizza and maybe have it delivered to the lobby or something like that. Caleb then goes to the lobby and gets a bunch of flyers 
and you know we're going through it he wants to get some italian meat sandwiches which is terrific i you know i i was all for that but i was like i was like yo but i want to get a pizza too um um we got some hungry friends and you know and i i asked i was like if i get a pizza will you guys want it um so anyway so we uh caleb makes an order i don't remember the name of the restaurant and anyway so we get pizza and snacks and this is how screwy this is this gives you a bit of perspective of the sadness of the nightlife at tfcon chicago so the kitchen is closed at caddyshack they're more than happy to serve us drinks but then we order a pizza and Italian meat sandwiches and bring them into the restaurant and proceed to chow down. And, you know, it's like somebody asked somebody if that was going to be a problem. And they said, no, just, just keep your mess over here because they were, they were trying to, trying to uh, clean up. And uh, because you, you can tell that the evening was winding down, which, which again was frustrating because it's Friday night of TFCon and it's only like 10 or 11. So it, it's, it's really kind of unreasonable and frustrating that like, oh man, well, everything is closing down. Um, what are we going to do? Will? what are we going to do? I, I don't, I don't, I don't like them apples very much at all. And, um, so yeah, so we, we eat pizza and by gosh, I, I don't know if it was even midnight. Maybe it was like 11:30. But the um this poor manager. So the restaurant manager starts the phase of starting to get us out. First, last call happens. So I think it was 11:30. I think last call was at 11:30 because like at 11:35 I roll up to the bar to order a fresh round of drinks. Sorry, you missed last call. Okay fine uh so that was phase one next the um it's it's kind of a a sports bar you know there's tvs everywhere and uh dude runs around systematically turning off all of the tvs like in sequence like um I, I don't know what kind of magic remote he has where he can turn off multiple tvs with one remote sequentially but that's what happened. After that, they turn on the house lights, which ironically enough had the opposite effect of being a deterrent because we're like, sweet, now we can see. And, um, and then finally, the, the, the coup de grace, um, the, the you guys need to leave. He goes to the, the back of the restaurant and as if we are in elementary school, he literally flicks the lights on and off. And um, it's like, okay, well, it's it's time for us to go, apparently. And uh, from there, we we're, we're kind of aimless because again, the visibility bar is closed, and. Um, we don't know what to do. I mean, basically, I think what happened was that there, there was kind of like a splintering of the group, as there always is. But then um, groups kind of like expand and contract. So it's like some folks 
go off, you know, clock out uh, to their room or to go somewhere else. And then there were other folks that were like drawing and just kind of like hanging out um, in the in the abandoned uh, visibility bar. So a crew of us, which was um, let's see, who was it? So it was Andy, Jim Sorensen, Melvar, Diecast. I think Diecast was with us. I don't remember. And um, um, a fan artist named Patters um, at uh, Smoketopus out on uh, uh, Twitter. Um, really fun, uh, cute art. Um, uh, they're great. Um, but anyway, so so we find like this 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 super secret VIP lounge that I've never seen before, and we just we just hung tough for hours and um you know it was dry you know we we hadn't we hadn't drank anything in fact this was the least i drank on a tfcon ever maybe the least i've ever drank on a road trip of any kind ever um which is good but also not um you know i mean i i can i I have the capacity to be social without alcohol being involved. It's just nice. I like to drink. See my episode on the blackened whiskey. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, so we we hung tough talking all into the night, just about all kinds of things. You know, it's like, you know, art and cartoons and toys and robots and you know i i don't i don't know if i even comprehend anything in particular um but yeah no it was just you know trading stories um and really that that's what that's what tfcon is all about you know it's it's a uh, um to to borrow from a totally different fandom type of thing it's um you know friendship is magic and that's, you know, I mean, that, that that's really all I got to say about that. So that's, so that's Friday. So as you could imagine, I wasn't entirely eager to get moving early on Saturday. Um, but I had the, uh, I had signed up and bought my ticket for the morning session of the Peter Cullen um, autograph experience. And I didn't know what time that was going to be until the schedule came out the week before the show. That's just a TFCon thing. No big deal. But I, um, yeah, I, I, I think I still got up at like, I don't know, eight or nine or something like that. It was something relatively reasonable. Um, fortunately, you know the the flight from Seattle to Chicago is is no more than four hours, and then with the two hour time change, it's not it's not really a big deal acclimating and adjusting. In fact, uh, for the first chunk of the trip, I just felt like I was living on bonus time. It's like, well, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, but if I were back home, it was it, it's really only one o'clock. So th so that so that's not so bad, you know that 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 kind of mentality. But, um, so I head downstairs and the, so the thing for the, for the Peter Cullen autograph experience, I, I actually really liked how they did it. Now th there's, there's some discourse and drama about how 
uh, the Peter Cullen experience was handled. I'm not going to litigate any of that drama here because, quite frankly, I had a very positive experience. So if I talk about anything negative, it's just gossip mongering. And I, I'm not I'm not really sure I want to uh, do that. But I I will tell a story, though, and I won't tell you who I heard it from, but I had heard that when um, when on Friday, a representative from TFCon went to go pick up Mr. Cullen from the airport, uh, that a group of fans um, first sleuthed out that that was what was happening. I don't... I. I, I don't know what clues they used to figure it out, but basically um, they followed this um, TFCon representative to the airport and then proceeded to mob uh, Mr. Cullen at the airport. And so, I mean, uh, profoundly inappropriate. And, you know, I mean, so I, I condemn every bit of that action. And basically it, it, rattled him uh peter cullen was was rattled by the by the experience and i was told about tentative plans about how the autograph session was going to go and i was kind of preparing for some potential disappointment and and i was telling these stories at the bar um uh, on uh, on Friday night, the night before, but basically, like the 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 way that it was told to me was that the idea was to not have fans interact specifically with Mr. Cullen. That the item to be autographed would be handed to a um, a TFCon volunteer who would then ferry the item over to Mr. Cullen's table on the opposite side of the room. Like you could wave, you know, Hey, you're the bomb and phantoms. Yo, I love that Optimus prime. You know, I I'm, I'm glad you're my dad. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. But, um, um, and I was just like, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the experience that I signed up for. Um, but I, 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 I didn't get too upset about it because you, you can't get upset about a hypothetical. So, um, but that is in the back of my mind when I'm getting ready to go through the Peter Cullen line and, um, this was always part of the plan, not not a reaction, but like there there there's a lower level to the convention center that, to my knowledge, TFCon has never used before. Um, maybe that's where they had uh, the trading card game, uh, or maybe the customizing class. I don't know. I haven't done any of those things, so I, so I couldn't say. But it's it, it's on the low. It was on the lower level, and basically. By the time I got there, so it's like, you know, it was starting at 10 and I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it was any later than 1030. I um, hang on. Pardon me a sec. I am going to try to find um, my tweets because I think um, 
see if I can find when I posted it because you may have seen me uh, uh, posting about it because I took uh, selfies from the line. Um, yeah, the line for Peter Cullen is insane. Um, 8.19 a.m. Oh, so that was at um, 20 after. Okay, so I was I was down there in the room by... 20 after 10 and by then the and and again i've uh, i've shared these uh photos on um on my twitter but um basically there there's a um lengthy hallway that um basically what they did was they wound the line around um down one end and then back down the other end and then around the corner into another room. So at 20 after, I'm walking the length of this asking folks. I'm like, where's the end of the line? Okay, keep going that way. Keep going that way. So I keep going that way. And um, I get to the end of the line and I I start panicking a little bit because... Um, even though, um, this was a separate ticketed event. And so basically what, what the, the way the Peter Cullen autographs went, and, and this again is, is part of some of the, the discourse and the drama, um, that I have no commentary on because I had no problems with my experience, but basically what had happened was they when they announced Peter Cullen as a guest, it was announced that it was going to be a separate ticketed thing. And um, because of the way that TFCon's website is, it's not always the most intuitive. Let's put it that way. It gets the job done. And I think those of us that have grown accustomed to it and are used to it, it's no big deal. But if you're like a first-time TFCon visitor, I think there's a couple things that 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 kind of kind of rankle you a little bit. So I can I, I can appreciate that. But basically, like when you went to buy tickets for Peter Cullen, you could get morning autograph session, afternoon autograph session photo op morning and afternoon um or you could buy a vip package that would include an autograph a photo and um i don't remember if it was either guaranteed seating or front row seating or um i'm gonna look that up here um or something for the peter cullen panel i will have commentary about the um uh, about the the um oh this event has ended i can't look into it now damn it um oh yeah so uh, so it is through eventbrite but they have it in such a way to where now that the event is over i can't go back and see how it was sold very clever tfcon well played but basically um it, the VIP package which was like 170 bucks I almost threw down for it but then I realized I didn't I didn't need a photo because I don't have photos of other 
um, voice actors or celebrities. I, I'm not a huge photo guy. I am an autograph guy. But uh, but yeah, standing for a photo, I, I resisted the urge. And even then, the autograph was 70 bucks, which I, me personally, found to be quite reasonable. At a time where they could cost upwards to triple digits, no problem. No problem. Um, but, but again, other folks were critical of that, thinking that, oh, it's just first come, first serve. You, you should, uh, um, you know, just, just haggle and buy at the table. Nonsense. Um, I'm an adult. And as I get older, if I can buy something ahead of time and then just go straight through, that's, that's, that's my speed. That's what I'm all about. So anyway, um, the line is insane, and I'm not sure how this is going to go because I, I'm just getting a temperature of it and I'm starting to think it's like, are, are we going to get through this thing? Are, are they going to be able to get through this entire lineup of folks in 90 minutes? Because I'm looking at the schedule with my line buddies, and I see that, um, so the 10 a.m. Peter Cullen autographs morning session, and then the next item at 11.45 was the, um, uh, the photos. Actually, so I guess they just did, oh, okay, I haven't paid attention to this because I didn't. I didn't do it this way. So there was a, a Peter Cullen autograph morning session, a Peter Cullen photo session at 1145. And then after that, at 1.30, Peter Cullen VIP autograph and photos. Um, so the combos. And then 3 p.m., the Peter Cullen afternoon session. So that actually kind of makes it makes perfect sense because the photo op was kind of combined and kind of squished right in the middle. Regardless, I didn't think that my group of folks that were getting autographs were going to get through by 11:45. Um but spoilers, we did. Um but I was in there, I was in that line for the entire time. I think I got through at like 11:30 something like that. So, you know, I, I, all told it was just over an hour. It felt longer, but I, I was in line for about an hour. Um, and that's plenty of time to make line buddies. And there, there were, uh, there were folks in front of me, folks to my side, you know, from the other line going the other way. And there, there were folks behind me. Um, there were, um, a pair of folks. Um, and again, I, I just, I feel so bad because like I'm I'm a kind of person where I'm very sociable and I, I shared a meme um, at some point where it's like it's it's uh, when uh, Grimlock is giving Optimus Prime like a two handed handshake like you know like the hand over the hand thing and it's like um, uh, me as a kid playing with somebody whose name I didn't know or something like that. I I'm still kind of like that. Like I'm the guy at parties where I can hang tough with you all night and never ask your name and never introduce myself. It's just, it's just a weird, 
weird mic thing. Uh, but anyway, there, there was um, uh, uh, there were these uh, uh, two folks. Um, one was in a uh, really cool um, uh, human former uh, ratchet outfit and uh the two of them they had hand crocheted a um optimus prime doll and this thing was the size of a small child in fact actually it was a large small child very tall very big probably i don't know maybe about the size of my g1 fort max it was huge um, it was big. And basically what they wanted to do was to, after they had handmade this, to uh, gift it to Peter Cullen. And, you know, when when you're line buddies with folks, you know, you're, you're telling all kinds of stories and just, you know, just talking about things. And I, I had told the airport story, um, even though I probably shouldn't have. I, I don't I don't know if that story was meant for public consumption. Um, that, that's another thing. Um, so if you're ever at a bar with me, like at a convention or something, and if you have specifically embargoed information or like a story that you don't want to be immediately told to either other people or on a dumb podcast or something, you need to tell me because if you don't, I assume it's fair game. Like, uh, um, later in the weekend, I had a conversation with um, someone who knows someone who knows someone who's pretty connected at um, at Hasbro. And um, there were a couple things that were revealed to me that I was specifically told that I cannot tell anybody. Um, so check back with me in about a year uh, to see if the things that I were to- that I was told actually came to pass or not, um, I might not. I might know uh, who the next Titan is. I might know uh, what the next Haslab is, and so now I kind of have this cursed knowledge, um, and I cannot keep a secret to save my life. Um, but but this one I will. Anyway, I don't know if that that was meant to be a secret or not. But anyway, we're 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 just chatting and hanging out. And finally it gets towards the end of the line and I and I was close enough to see into the room. And I was close enough to start to hear the sound of Mr. Cullen's voice. Now, during my experience um, Peter Cullen didn't really say a whole lot. And when he did speak, he was very soft-spoken. Um, I would imagine for a variety of reasons. One, he's very old. Um, how old is Peter Cullen, by the way? Um, I mean, he's no, he's no 90-year-old Ron Friedman, but he is 81 years old. So, um... Um, very soft-spoken and, and just, um, uh, just very gentle. But like, I, I remember getting very excited as soon as I got around the corner and I could hear just a little bit, um, and I could see him and I turned to my friends. I was like, it's him. He's here. It's gonna happen. And I was very excited. And, and again, um, my apologies. I, I have told this story several different times in several different places, several different ways. 
but I'm going to tell my Peter Cullen story again. So basically what happens is my turn in line comes up and um, Josh is at the front end of the line and Trish is at the, the far end of the line. So he kind of ushes you in. She kind of ushes you out. Um, and, and for, for more on that, you know, uh, check out the podcaster roundtable that include both Josh and Trish telling some of their stories, but basically, um, Josh asks for the item that you're going to have signed. I hand it to him and, I explain to him uh, where I would like Mr. Cullen to sign on the poster, and I and I saw the variety of pens that that uh, Mr. Cullen had, and um, the thing with my Transformers the movie poster, I had also uh, bought a pack of paint markers, um, so not Sharpie, it's not ink. It's paint. So when the person autographs it, it it has a really cool look. It's very classy. In fact, I I, I had uh, learned that or saw that from the Star Wars poster that that uh, my aunt and uncle and cousins had had gifted me, and I I just I, I remember staring at those autographs and I was like, what is that texture? Because it's like it's raised and it and it just it it looks really really cool. And after doing some sleuthing. Prior to TFCon LA, I realized that they were they were paint markers. So I get a set and I get a robust variety. I have like a dozen different colors. And even talking to my new line buddies with uh, uh, with the, the crocheted Optimus doll, I'm even trying to figure it out. It's like, what color do I want to use? It's like, you know, I've got silver um, or this light blue. And they help me land on the light blue so i see what what uh mr cullen has and it's it's all sharpies maybe like a silver sharpie maybe a gold uh marker and i'm just like "Mm -mm." click 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 i'm 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 gonna use mine so i tell that to josh and i was like okay i would like him to sign in this area which is um i i I didn't want to bring it because like, you know, I I'm here at work and I'm trying to try to minimize the amount of handling I'm doing with the poster anyway. Um, so I didn't bring it, but like, um, I I've, I've shared it on, uh, on my socials where the autograph was, but it's basically where Optimus prime is. And it's kind of like on his arm. And, um, so yeah, it's just kind of like here or, here he's he's opening the matrix so i guess it it's technically like it doesn't matter (laughs) um anyway um i i tell him where i want to sign and i tell him that it's i want him to use my marker josh then hands the um uh poster and marker to a gentleman that i i assume is mr cullen's handler or agent or manager or relative or something. Um, because like, it's interesting with, with the celebrity voice actor guests, um, 
handlers come in a variety of you know sometimes it's a, it's a uh, TFCon staff person sometimes it's a TFCon volunteer person sometimes it's um, a a uh, family member so like for example when I when I met uh, Sue Blue later um, it was her wife who who was uh, there you know collecting money and and um, you know uh, getting things ready so I don't know who this person was uh, to Peter. So he, um, this handler person then slides it over to Mr. Colin and says, um, he, he would like for you to, um, sign here and use his pen. And he, he says, he's like, Oh, and, and, um, does the, um, I don't even remember what sequence the, this was in because like it's, it's, it has gotten a little blurry details wise. I mean, I think there is like some, like, uh, blacked out type of um, type of type of thing, um, you know, just like when you're that excited, things kind of jumble. But um, I I roll up to him, I extend my hand, he extends his hand back, and I give him a handshake, and I and I, I introduce myself. I was like, um, you know, hi, uh, uh, my name is Mike, and I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for us in this fandom. It means, um, I, I, I don't think I said it. It means more to us than you'll ever know. I, I don't think I said that. I think what I said was, um, oh, I said it means a lot to a lot of people. That sounds like something I would say, right? Um, I, I told him it, you know, you know, thank you for everything you do. It means a lot to a lot of people, and and it means a lot to me. And he um, uh, lets go of my hand, looks up, looks me straight in the eyes, just with these, just kind, sweet, loving Canadian eyes, and just says, "You're welcome." And just like, you know, it was in a lower voice. Um, so he, he wasn't projecting. He wasn't like, roll out or, you know, anything like that. But it was just like, you know, he's just like, you're welcome. And those were the only two words that, that I heard from him. And but my heart melted. I mean, that that was that that was so powerful um, to me. And. You know, so the, the the entire experience was maybe sixty seconds back to back, end to end, maybe even shorter. Um, and you know, I I I, <laughs> I kept meaning to uh, talk about this in the other conversations I've had, but like, um, he the the handshake was was uh was delightful he was delightful he was he was a treat he was um you know at a time where i have even said don't meet your heroes this was a moment where that that throws that all away um this is the antithesis of my william shatner story where you know i i've I've talked about it enough before basically my my uh experience meeting mr shatner wasn't satisfactory to me let's put it that way um but this would this was the opposite like you know again he was he was just um you know just sincere and genuine 
And so I roll up to him and I shake his hand and, you know, he's, you know, he's older. Um, but, um, it, it just, his, I, I, I'm, I'm doing a review of a handshake, but no, it, it's like his, his hands were very soft, well lotioned. Um, but the, the word that I've used, uh, when I've talked to my friends about it was grandfatherly and meaning like, uh, I don't mean to be graphic, but it's just like the, the way that the, the skin on the hand feels with an old person. I mean, I just, I just remember vividly shaking my grandfather's hand and just like, you know, it was, it was, it was a very similar feeling. It was, it was, it was a tactile experience that that was transportative that, that I was not expecting. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I made jokes about like, you know, how it felt like, you know, warm donuts or, you know, uh, warmed butter or, you know, that kind of anything that that's just like a, a warm, soft, uh, pillowy, uh, uh, comforting texture. I think comforting is, is a, more appropriate word um other than um uh warm (laughs) and soft but it was and and again just uh just being able to look him in the eyes and tell him thank you that's what i was there for that's what was important to me so at this point i mean i hadn't met sue blue yet but like at that point i i could go home you know, I, I had seen uh, Sorensen v. Friedman, um, and, and I had gotten my Peter Cullen autograph. So I was, you know, I was, you know, I, I was, I was in a, um, I, I was, I was in a really good spot. So, um, uh, where was I at? Okay. So, yeah, so that, so that was Peter Cullen. Now, um, the thing also, so, okay, so, so that finishes and Trish kind of, ushers me off there there's there's a side table away so that you know uh you you can let the ink dry on on your items and um i had mentioned the folks behind me and so i i was a bit away and um I was more talking to trish than anything just kind of you know getting her temperature i was like i'm like this is this is a pretty cool experience um i i'm i'm glad i'm glad it glad it all worked out um but while that is happening while i'm talking to trish um the folks present the the crocheted doll to mr cullen and i i didn't hear all of the conversation but basically like it was like um they start crying and then he starts crying and um even from where i was because like i was i was deep in my own feels i'm not going to say i cried um i i cried at clerks 3 but i i didn't i didn't necessarily cry when um uh, when when uh those nice folks gave the the hand crocheted doll to peter cullen but i was getting really throat lumpy um because it was just like it, it was just you know, beautiful moments of, you know, uh, fandom and, and, and expressing, uh, love and affection for this person that means so much 
to so many of us in um, in in this fandom and in this space, and it's a it's an experience that I'm gonna I, I'm I, I'm gonna um, you know keep with me um, forever. Um, but that did take up a huge chunk of my my morning, and by the time I I got back up topside, I, I saw the weirdest thing. People were still in line uh, for the registration. Like, you know, I had just told you um, a while ago about the Friday night registration thing. And usually that's it. Um, but um, but there was like a whole lineup of folks that were Saturday only or or had just gotten in on Saturday. And it's just like and I I didn't even forgotten that the show floor doesn't even open for, quote unquote, general admission. Uh, until like noon, um, whereas it opens at like nine for for weekend pass people. Um, but I I had thought about going through the dealer room. Now I think maybe I don't remember the time. Like, have you experienced lost time? No, I um I think I did one lap dealer room and it was packed. Um. I think this was the the convention more so than LA back in March and Toronto back in July. This is the one where the fandom has universally said we're back and it's okay to go back to doing conventions and to doing the things that 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 we had previously including packing out the dealer room. It was it was nuts. So I I think I did one lap. I think I had seen King and um, um, said hey, but I don't remember. Um, but then at uh, what time was it? Noon. Um, so at noon, uh, there there was uh, the other panel I wanted to see was um, it was a a. A G1 panel, Generation 1 panel featuring Sue Blue, uh, voice of RC, uh, Paul Eiding, uh, the voice of Perceptor, and Ron Friedman, the writer of the Transformers the movie. Um, kind of an odd, eclectic mix, but those were kind of that Generation 1 representation, um, aside from Mr. Cullen, and, and he had his own panel much later. Um so that um so so that was kind of what the representation was there and it it's um you got to be careful i maybe if i were to do another version of my tfcon 101 when choosing which panels to go to you probably have to take a um closer look at the actual panel description. So this one is Q&A with Paul Eiding, Sue Blue, and Ron Friedman. Um, if it is just a Q&A panel, that means there's no moderation. And it's, you know, so maybe the, the panelists might tell some stories um, or maybe like a bit of uh, introduction. Like, like for example, uh, Bob Budiansky uh, who uh, you know wrote all the the character bios and and laid a lot of the the groundwork uh, for the Marvel comics and a lot of the G one stuff. 
So he does a Q&A panel, but he also has like a, a lecture presentation of, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, where he at, why he came up with what he did. The fact that he uh, doesn't know anything about Transformers past what, um, you know, what, what, um, what he wrote. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm always a little leery when it's just straight Q and a, and, and this was a straight Q and a, and there were some questions that were good, but the thing that, that I wanted to capitalize on what I thought I wanted to get is I don't know. Ron Friedman and Sue Blue have been on the same panel at the same time or have even met or been in the same space at the same time because one of the things that that is important to note about Ron Friedman and his contribution and writing of the Transformers the movie is that he created the character of RC because he wanted to have female representation and Hasbro fought him at every turn saying these are these are toys for boys you know boys don't want want um girls and and Ron breaks it down and says well I have a daughter and she is into this stuff um I tell you I mean we 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 have to have a female character and they fought and and um as the story goes Hasbro relented and and thus RC was uh was created now stuff that i have been critical of is i i mentioned that ron friedman is still very much an old timey hollywood thing uh, or old timey hollywood type of guy and if you read the second draft of the Ron Friedman script for Transformers the movie. His treatment of RC is not especially great. It reminds me, actually, and I just now thought out of this, it reminds me of Stan Lee's treatment of Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four, where it's like, I don't think either of these guys, Ron Friedman or Stan Lee, really knew how to write women characters especially effectively so there is a side order of misogyny um that that goes with it now whether it's accidental or intentional or just a product of the time regardless there's tinges of it kind of there and even as she presents on the screen um rc and transformers the movie is is shown to be tough and capable and caring, um, compassionate, empathetic, all of those things. But she also gets grabbed by the wrist by Springer. Um, she also almost gets left behind by Ultra Magnus and then gets grabbed by the wrist by Springer again. So there, there, there is a there's a weird dichotomy and how much of that comes from Flint Dilly. How much of that comes from Ron Friedman? Tough to say. But I just know that in the Ron Friedman script, uh, there, there's a part where R.C. says, well, you know, I'm just a she-bot, but, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, I, I've been harsher than I needed to be about 
the postmodern recontextualization as a as Ron Friedman being a uh, Transformers feminist icon. I kind of I kind of scoffed at that. But the more that I've thought about it, the more I, I you know what I I can I fine I'll co-sign that. But what I I was looking for in the panel. Oh, and by the way, um, also, it's like, well, wait a sec. RC didn't appear until Transformers the movie. Um, what about Un and you know Firestar and Moonracer and all all of you know Chromia, uh, all of those um, all of those female Autobots. Um, Transformers the movie was written before season two. Um, now, granted, there were various drafts that came along, but but the character of RC was created before Alita One and all of those other characters. So, um, so yeah, so she's she's the first, even though she didn't appear until like a year later. It's just kind of interesting how that goes. So I would imagine that once Hasbro had bought off on the idea of having a female Autobot in Transformers the movie, somebody, possibly Flint, was like, hey man, why why don't we introduce um, them in the context of the cartoon? And maybe that's how that happened. Maybe not. I, I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, but what I wanted to ask... And I didn't phrase it very well. So I got in line for Q&A. And I, I, I was like, okay, well, this, this is a question for Ron and for Sue. Um, more or less trying to get them to talk with each other about not just the creation of the RC character, but also the importance of of female representation in Transformers. And I think I did myself a disservice in retrospect, thinking about it now, I did myself a disservice because I don't think I needed to ask about the origin of RC because I already knew why Ron Friedman created her. And I also knew uh, from multiple DVD interviews and commentary tracks, I, I knew about uh, Sue Blue story about how she auditioned for the part and how the character spoke to her and, you know, her going through the performance and finding the character's voice. I knew all that stuff already. I should have skipped all that and asked them both for them to speak on together the importance of female representation in Transformers because it's it's both of those things, right? It's it's Ron Friedman creating the character and it's Sue Blue bringing it uh bringing her to life. And um and I didn't quite get that. I I got I got, well, you know, my daughter likes likes Transformers, so I wanted to create a female character, and I thought it would be important. And then Sue was like, yeah, you know, I got the call for the audition. I read the script. I really liked it. And the, the whole uh, perspective about female representation kind of got dropped, which is fine. I mean, I could have pursued and asked further, but it's like, I'm not going to get what I want. And, and I think that's kind of... My ongoing frustration and struggle 
with regards to uh, Ron Friedman. It's like, I think I keep looking for something from him that I'm not getting. And that is a uniquely me problem. That 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 is not anything critical of the way that he uh, presents himself or or whatever, but it, it is my interpretation of what I think I want. Um, so anyway, so I, I come out of that panel and um, I, I, I go to try again for the dealer room. Uh, but then I run into... Uh, my friend Monica, who is um, um, part of the uh, Seattle area uh, Transformers fandom. Um, she's exhibited at uh, Cybefest. Um, uh, often she's, she's uh, um, a longtime uh, pillar of that community, uh, known for her uh, um, taste in fine knockoffs. Uh, but then also uh, f- uh, being a, a huge fan of uh, My Little Pony. And um, uh, so if you're ever in Seattle, if you ever go to Cybefest, and if you come across the table with all the ponies, that's uh, um, that's Monica. Um, so, um, and it's interesting that I say my friend Monica, because like um, we're, we're casually acquainted. Um, like we're, we're friends on Facebook. Um but I don't, I, we, we had never really hung out before, but I, I just, I, I was doing that thing where it's like, I'm trying to, when I see folks that I recognize, I call them out. So it's like, you know, diecast enters the back, diecast, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I'm that guy. I'm, I'm the, the, uh, reverse norm. I'm the guy that calls out for norm. Anyway. So I see Monica and I was like, Ooh, Monica, how's, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, she recognized me. It was, it wasn't like, Oh, hi, I'm Mike. Um, uh, but she asked me, she's like, um, Hey man, have you had lunch yet? No, um, I'm kind of hungry. Well, I'm, uh, I, I'm hanging around with a, a couple other folks. We were talking about going to the mall food court. There's apparently this, this world famous crepe place. Um, and we want to check it out. And so, um, uh, Monica introduces me to, uh, her traveling companions or folks she was hanging out with, um, uh, Patters and, uh, Kaylee, who, uh, uh, Kaylee has a, uh, the, the mighty Megatron blog, um, out on Tumblr. I haven't checked it out yet, but I, um, I, I definitely want to, but I had mentioned Patters and I have, th- this is, this is embarrassing and it's a confession and I just want to own up to it. I have, I don't know, I guess some degree of face blindness. Like I was, I was, um, uh, on discord with Andy late last night, trying to, trying to sort this out because I, 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 I was so confused. So Patters had hung out with us on Friday, but I thought that, um, when I saw them with Monica and Kaylee, that that was somebody else entirely, but also named Patters also with blue hair. Now that I'm saying it out loud to you, it sounds ridiculous and silly, but, um, but that, that, that was the thing. It's like, you know, so I, 
hung out with them with a big group on Friday. And I think it threw me off when um, when I was introduced. Oh, hey, it's it's Patters. Hi, I'm Mike. So we're we're exchanging pleasantries like we've never met before. Um, so and that kind of flipped me out because I, I would think that had they recalled from last night that they had said something. That's not their burden. That's that's my burden. But still, it was kind of weirded me out. And taking that further, I thought I had had the same experience at TFCon LA to where I had seen uh, um, Patters with a, a, a big Andy group on a Friday night and then later on a Saturday or Sunday. And it was the same thing with the, um, you know, maybe because I'm a boomer and they are Gen X boomer and, uh, um, you know, maybe I, I don't remember folks. Uh, maybe they're just very polite. Has nothing to do with Patters, has everything to do with me. But th- to the point where when we exchange those pleasantries, it doesn't click with me. I'm like, oh, my God, maybe maybe that is a different person that I hung out with. No, it's just me being dumb. So anyway, so we um, uh, Monica tells me she's like, well, there's, you know, the mall food court. And I was like there's a mall well yeah it's it's the the fashion outlet oh what the the giant uh gray um square looking brutalist architecture building so it's like from my hotel room i could see parking lots parking structures there's there's a a theater like like a concert venue type of type of thing but everything is all just concrete concrete and stone i mean again very very brutalist architecture where it's just like you swear you're like in eastern europe or something with just the amount of poured concrete that that that's in these buildings and from my room and i remember this uh from back in 2018 I see this uh, building that says Fashion Outlets of Chicago. Now, if you've never been to Chicago, what do you think that means? Um, and I asked some of my friends around work here. It's like, well, it kind of sounds like an outlet mall, you know, where where you got yourself a Nike store, maybe an Old Navy, maybe a Gap outlet, um, certainly a Skechers store, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it sounds lame. Um, and certainly doesn't sound like a mall. Turns out that's just the name of the mall because we, um, our, our gang, our crew, we go, um, diagonally across the parking lot, across the street. Oh, and that's the other thing. So like from, from my vantage point, from my hotel room, it looks far away. Turns out it's an optical illusion. It's not far at all. But I and basically it's from being high up in a building. I was on the 13th floor. Uh, Crown Plaza has a 13th floor. Go fig. And I was on it. Um, And turns out I was okay. No, no spooky, scary um, um, issues or anything like that. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, we, we, we go across and go in and it's just a mall and not only is it a mall and i i don't know what malls are like where you're at but up here in the in the seattle area they're pretty run down like i um 
when I went to go see Kevin Smith, I, I told you about, um, you know, during my Clerks 3 review, I had mentioned that he had wanted to go to the SeaTac Mall because he had remembered it when he uh, stopped by on his way to attend film school in Vancouver. Anyway, he uh, so he goes to the SeaTac Mall, which is now called the Commons of Federal Way. And that mall is dead. Uh, Macy's is gone. Sears is gone. There's no anchor stores. And so it's it's just a uh, abandoned husk. Um, so and and there are several malls like that where where I live. Um, but I walked into this this fashion outlets um, of Chicago mall and it is not just open, but it is thriving. Um people everywhere now granted this is saturday but um yeah i mean so it's like two levels and it's just you know just um there wasn't a single vacant space and tons of people it was the goddamnedest thing i had seen um so there was a 7-eleven there we popped in bought a bunch of stuff i get a get a couple bags of beef jerky which will which will come back around later, um, and and then we find ironically enough the crepe place just like just around the corner, and we we had just such a great time and it was it was interesting because like the the different ages, um, I I would I would assume um, imagine that that Monica is close to my age in terms of like um experience with the fandom whereas whereas patters and and kaylee um are on the other side of the of the spectrum so one one of our uh we we had we had so many great conversations like you know we we were talking about um what we think is going to happen in Earthspark. Um, and just kind of like having, um, you know, just so much speculation and just, um, saying that, you know, heroic Megatron real, um, I didn't have that. And on my 2022 bingo card, but, um, but inevitably we start talking about the more wacky season three episodes. And, you know, we, we talk about the difference between Megatron and Galvatron and, you know, saying like how, how different things would be because I mean, they're, 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 uh, um, thick writers also. So, and I've talked about this before, you know, being around fan fiction writers has really, um, opened up my imagination to, um, uh, different possibilities. And I think, I think maybe that's, that's why, um, some of the things in black Adam kind of worked with me because now I have kind of like fan fiction brain where I'm like, filling in gaps and chewing on um glances and sentences and just little things that you know prior to really being involved in fandom i never really thought of you know like and i i i have a sniffer for subtext now it, it would seem but anyway we were talking about uh season three and the dichotomy between um, uh, Galvatron and Megatron, and it was all brought up because Patters had brought up this uh, um, a picture, a screenshot of Carnage in C Minor where it's Galvatron and Cyclonus holding hands. So we were we were talking about that uh, for uh, for a few, but I, you know, it was brought up. It's like how much more effective would Megatron had been 
had he had Cyclonus at his side, as opposed to Starscream uh, nipping behind his back. Conversely, how more effective Galvatron would have been had Soundwave had a more uh, prominent role in that um, in that command group because you know Soundwave gets really sidelined and he was basically kind of like the the second third in command uh, type of thing. So it was some it was just some fascinating um, discussion. But my favorite conversation of that was that where uh, you know Monica and I had both you know, uh, uh, grown up with and, and had, uh, a lot of affection for the original Marvel comics. And whereas with younger fans, that's, that's kind of a blind spot. You know, it's like, you know, uh, some folks have since picked up reprints or have experienced the issues, but like we're, we're, we were talking about the, um, well, we talked about a variety of uh, individual issues, including the death of Optimus Prime, where it's like, oh, no, I accidentally killed NPCs. Oh, you got to blow me up. But one of my favorite stories, and it and it is um, genuinely one of my favorite Transformers comics from that era, is um, when Megatron gets stuck in gun mode and this, uh, this low-level thug, um, you know, just small-time crook, finds gun mode Megatron and Megatron's like, I can't transform, but Hey man, let's go do crime. And so they, it's the entire issue of this dude, just like robbing banks and, um, and taking out uh, competing mobsters. And it's, it's just, it, it's bonkers. It's just bonkers. But, uh, but yeah, who knew the, the, uh, fashion outlets of Chicago turns out is a thriving mall that is just a few minutes walk away from the crown plaza hotel where, where TF con was. Um, we had a great lunch. The, the crepes were indeed uh, world famous. I just got a plain one to, to go with my, my ham sandwich, but, um, but very decent lunch. And then from there back to the dealer room, um, to which I, um, made, well, I don't know if it counts as my first purchase, but it's, it's the, you know, after being on the live stream for two hours and 32 minutes, I'm going to show you my, uh, an item that, uh, that I bought, um, oh, and, uh, uh, Mike has joined the chat, uh, looks like, um, um, Oh, shoot, like a half hour ago. Sorry, I was looking at a different screen. Uh, time displacement is a real thing. And yes, uh, uh, Mike, you are absolutely right, especially when you're in uh, convention times. So, um, but yeah, I mean, especially with like time zones, time displacement. But I, uh, so I, I am stalking the dealer room and it is packed. It is humid. It is just people just just pressed against each other. And I would be lying if I didn't say that it was um, spiking my anxiety. I was um, I, I was really having a hard time with it. Like there, like the times I was in the dealer room were um, limited. You know, or at least in like bursts. I, I tried to be uh, careful with that, but I came across the uh, the Alpha Magnus 
uh, table and and I knew Toby was getting a a table and and all of that but like to to see his setup and to see the the macho magnus armor um was just really cool but I wanted to show you guys um on on the video uh the item that I bought now the um I'm just going to show you I I'll tell the I'll tell my story walking so so first of all, you get the the uh, the souvenir shopping bags, and it's funny because like I I never know what or if or anything to bring Lucky back. You know, she's not into Transformers. I I'm not going into the city of Chicago, so it's it's hard to gauge what to get. But um, she loves these reusable bags. So, so at the very least she's got a she's got a new uh reusable bag, but I want to show you what's uh what's in the box and what I got from uh Alpha Magnus. Oh, let's see. Oh, the microphone is so far away. It's a Hasbro Masterpiece Soundwave. Now, I, um, I, I brought this into work today to, um, show my friends and their response is, well, that's your dude. So, um, this box is so big, it's bigger than my head. So there's, there's no way that I could just show this very well, but you, you, you see it next to me. Um, this this goes this story goes back a number of years um i don't remember when toby was first telling me about it but he's like i've got a masterpiece sound wave if you want it and i'm like yes i'm very interested and he's like well i know i have the box but i haven't found it okay well when you get the box let me know and then it's like well i uh um I know I have all the tapes, but I can't find them right now. Uh, okay, well, when you get the tapes, let me know. This goes on for years. And in the meantime, I'm casually um, looking for this guy. Um, I kind of have a gauge of what it's going to cost. And in my mind, I was like, well, I would much rather buy it from a friend than than a rando if he if he's looking to sell it and i'm looking to buy it this seems like this is this this is the way to go so then i mentioned earlier that that i was um reluctant trepidatious um wasn't sure if i was actually going to go to tfcon chicago or not but um he tells me he's like i've got it Got what? The Masterpiece Soundwave. I have all the tapes. I have the box. I have it. And I'm like, I would like to buy that from you. Great. Are you coming to TFCon Chicago? And at that time, I was like, uh, no. But then it became yes. And um, we, uh, we landed on a price. I paid him ahead of time. And so basically it was just a matter of uh, picking it up. So 
I can't do the 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 right presentation that I was going to do like when I opened it at his table, but um, I want to open this up for you uh, just so that um, so so this is the Hasbro version. This is the one that has all the tapes in this giant purple box. Um, when I uh, so me and Ryan King were on the same flight, and he. Um, he sees my bag. He's like, what's in your bag? I'm like, clothes. He's like, my God, that's so many clothes. Well, yes, I, 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 I did bring a lot of clothes. And if you saw me throughout the convention, I did have more than a couple outfit changes. <laughs> but, uh, but really, I knew I needed to leave room for this dude. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's kind of take a look at um, Soundwave here. So I have um, Masterpiece Blue Streak, uh, the Hasbro version, and I like this this box. I mean, I just love the aesthetic. It is the uh, Toys R Us exclusive version. Uh, there you go. There's there's the is sticker. But okay, so the uh, slip comes right off, and I love just the the embossing with the uh, Decepticon logos and all of the lettering. I mean, it's... Y'all tease me about being a box collector, but in a sense, when, you, when they put out boxes like this, this is why I collect boxes. Now, on the video, you can... If you're watching the video, you can see that um, uh, the box has um, a couple dings, a couple dents. No big deal, because... That very similar to buying a used car. Um, once there are dings and dents that that you didn't put on there, that kind of lowers the the risk threshold. Um, so I felt okay putting this in my bag, and maybe if it, if it got a little squashed, no big deal because it's already a little squashed in spots. But but yeah, I just want to take this guy out and show you this this whole presentation packaging thing um let's see i'll try to adjust the camera a little bit there you go so yeah so there's there's uh there he is uh just a masterpiece sound wave in um in the tray um aggressive use of plastic on hasbro's part i um Man, I mean, I, I could see now why they would want to go to um, kind of uh, plastic-free packaging because I think they used it all up on uh, these uh, these Hasbro Masterpiece figures. But it's got all the tapes, and as you can see um, in the video, if you're watching, watching on the video, there's... Um, uh, I don't know if these are KFC or where they came from, but basically there's third-party labels on the on the tape boxes. Um, I'm gonna free this guy from his uh, prison briefly, and I, I mean, there he is. Oh man, I just I just now am picking him up, and I can feel the uh, die cast in his feet. And I, there, there's discourse about what is the superior sound wave figure. You know, a lot of folks are bonkers 
for the um, the fans toys or not fans toys acoustic acoustic wave figure um, and I saw it at TFCon LA and really the price that I saw it for was kind of comparable to what I ended up uh, paying for um, this guy but I passed on it because I want this because um, at a time where the the toy collecting fandom is um, obsessed, hung up with cartoon accuracy, this to me feels like a adult orientated um, a new version of the original toy. Um, because like, you know, the original sound wave figure was very basic, but like there, there's, there's, um, there's so many, I, I, I haven't converted him. In fact, I haven't like, you know, taken him out of the box for too terribly much. This is probably like the most I've held him, but he's hefty. I, I just, I just love the heft on this dude and just the, the details and the shade, it's the right color of blue. It's the right color of silver. I like that he's got um, the uh, the pins um, on his hips. And he's got the die-cast feet. This reminds me of an adult version of that classic sound wave. Um, so it's just for the, the aesthetic feel. It just... Um, I got light piping in it. No, his uh, um, his yellow eyes look like almost like it's got light piping. But anyway, um, I really like this figure, and I haven't even turned him into a rectangle yet. Um, whereas I feel like the the uh, Robot Paradise, not fans toys version, is maybe a little too over designed. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing in premium third party now is where something is trying to emulate a simplistic design ends up being over designed to achieve simplicity. So this guy's got like, you know, all kinds of like panel lines and, and he's, you know, he kind of greebly in spots, but again, it evokes the original toy. Um, I, I have plenty of affection for a uh, cartoon sound wave, but this, this masterpiece sound wave feels like an update of the classic toy. And again, that that's why I want him. That's why I'm happy with him. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, um, with this figure and with this purchase. But then my friend Alpha Magnus is, um, He's a very uh, uh, caring and generous um, dude. And not only did he give me a, a really good screaming deal on this, but he also threw in a couple extra gifts as well. He uh, threw in the, um, uh, the KFC... Um, I forget what these guys are, are, are called, but basically it's... Um, Oh, I don't know if they have a subgroup or whatever, but but it's it's uh it it's basically a Beast Box and Squawk Talk, uh the third party versions. In this case, it's B Box and Bird Bomber. But 
um, they um, they combine um, into uh, into that robot, and they they fit in uh, perfectly um, aesthetically with um, the other. Uh, uh, masterpiece cassettes it's all the same size very similar engineering uh brilliant um so but um yeah that that was that was uh you know and it was interesting because like he told me he was going to throw those in but it didn't it didn't occur to me what that meant until after i opened the box and these guys just come out i was like what are these and he's like oh well those are the 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 kfc tapes Oh, um, 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 thank you. <laughs> um, but no, uh, so yeah, Alpha Magnus is, is, is a really good dude, really good friend, um, very generous. And if you have the opportunity to, uh, support him, he's doing, uh, um, uh, working on his own lineup of toys, but, um, but yeah, time and again, he's, he's been very generous and I'm very thankful, um, um yeah good friend good dude uh but anyway yeah so so that's what that was i just i wanted to show off um masterpiece soundwave here because one it was a figure that i didn't show off uh during the uh during the podcasters panel with the the transmissions folks i was too busy showing off starscream's throne and side swipes and all of that but i i kind of i kind of skipped that whole story uh one because i didn't want to cart the box around i had already packed it up at that point but also i didn't think i was going to be able to get through it concisely and i have not <laughs> so but no i'm just um I, I'm I'm man, I'm really pleased with this dude. Um I I'm I'm really excited to have him in my collection. So that's uh that's Masterpiece Soundwave. Um uh I then met uh Sue Blue, uh got her to autograph my poster, and I told you previously about uh my Peter Cullen story where I had shaken his hand, looking looked at him in the eye, and said thank you, and he said, you know, very uh, um, uh, gently, uh, "You're welcome." I did the same thing with Sue Blue. You know, I I um, had um, given her wife uh, the money and the poster, and I was like, okay, well, you know, and you know, she can autograph it anywhere over here in this space. There's there's plenty of real estate still left over, despite having. Uh, several folks um, having already signed uh, the poster. But anyway, um, I did the same thing. I shook her hand. I looked her in the eye. I was like, you know, thank you for bringing this character to life. Um, it means a lot to a lot of people. And and it means a lot to me. Because I, I like RC quite a bit. And I think the more that I've interacted with my friends in the fandom... Um, I, I think I, she's growing on me even more, um, during that Q and a panel earlier in the day, uh, a, 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 um, young kid in a, um, uh, Transformers animated shockwave 
uh, costume. Uh, adorable. Uh, rolls up and asks if um, if RC were to have a beast mode, what would it be? And they they kind of struggled. Uh, Ron Friedman gave like the, this weird answer where it was like some something like like a horse crossed with a spider or some such like that. And then Sue uh, Sue Blue really latched onto that. She's like, I I could definitely see RC being being some kind of horse because you think about horses, they they are uh, majestic and beautiful but also strong and tough and and uh, compassionate and and empathetic and all of that stuff so it's like i i was really getting into that i was like i'm like that actually kind of checks out um but anyway so i so i i thought that was interesting but anyway so i roll up to sue blue and i you know thank her for being in that movie that that meant so much to me and she um it's it, it, it's so awesome because like when when peter cullen um told me you're welcome he's like you're welcome so i i tell sue blue thank you and then she's like she um kind of gets up so she was sitting down but then she like plants her hands firmly against the table kind of pushes herself up i don't i i think she did stand up but she like she gets up kind of presses down on the table, looks up, looks at me and she's like, "No, thank you." Um and it was it was almost aggressive like she was just like she's like you know, it, it's she's like, "No, it's because of fans like you um that you know that 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 keep this going." And I don't think she meant fans like me. I think she meant like, you know, just fans in general. Um but oh gotta get back on my chair um now my seat can't adjust right there we go <laughs> um so yeah but it, it was it was just like an interesting contrast to that um uh both both reactions together but yeah she was like she was almost like coming after me she, she was like thank you um and and she's so grateful for the fans and so gracious and just so spunky i i just i mean yeah she she has a uh kinetic energy that 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 is infectious i just uh uh really enjoy um listening to her talk and i just um anyway it was it was terrific meeting her if if um, unfortunately, the the experience is a little overshadowed by the Peter Cullenness of it. But uh, regardless, um, it was uh, uh, any other time that would that would have been my uh, uh, favorite uh, favorite experience. Um, also, uh, speaking of uh, toys, and again, I'm I I've already talked about this a lot on the uh, transmissions thing, and I'm going to talk about it again. But since I I have it over here, I did 
get myself my last sideswipe. Behold, covert clone uh, sideswipe of the Alpha Strike Counterforce, along with his um, his uh, uh, little buddy Trenchfoot, the the uh, Battlemaster, um, and he does have a uh, um, that that cool blast effect there. But yeah, this is it. This is the last one. This is the last of the War for Cybertron uh, sideswipe molds. All of the variants, all of the mold mates, all of the retools. So uh, coming up soon ish. Um, I, I'm going to do a video where I will present to you my entire Lambro army and I will tell you the stories of each and every one and where I got them. And I'll do like a mini review and compare and contrast, uh, because for being the same guy, they, there are some significant difference. I, I love this figure. I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't give up trying to get it and I'm glad instead of um, uh, I I was on the lookout for just sideswipe. I didn't really have um, interest in the other stuff. But now that I have the Battlemaster and that he's got the same colors, you probably saw me posted on Twitter where it's like, you know, never speak to me or my son ever again, because like, you know, Trenchfoot, his, his, uh, um, coloring is very complimentary with the, the red and black of, uh, uh, G2 inspired sideswipe here. Um, this is a great figure, uh, terrific paint applications. And I just, I really like it. If it's, it's it's one of my favorites, um, but um, but I will discuss that more in a um, in a future video uh, where I talk about all of the uh, Super Sentai Lambo Ranger um, army that I have, uh, which I believe stands twelve strong. So, uh, but I will um, I will sort that out. Um, so we we wrap up the the dealer floor. And it's off to the bar, and uh, we connect with. Uh, so, so I'm reunited with uh, with Caleb, and maybe Aaron, maybe Ryan. I, I think they all came later at different um, different times, but more importantly, um, uh, Jay Soups is there, and that um, that that that. Um, Josh was a dude that um, he and I have gotten um, uh, pretty close on Twitter. Um, he's uh, become a, a a real fan of my podcast in addition to Autopod Decepticast and has been so supportive of the stuff that I've done. He's like, you know, he was, he was so complimentary of the, the black and whiskey uh, review episode. And, and that, that stuff is just so encouraging, you know, the, the, in, in this community and what we do and friendship and, and it's just so important. So like that, that was a dude I was, I was really excited to uh, get to meet and to interact with. And, um, he, uh, apparently there, there's a, um, we, we did shots of Malort and I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Malort, but I have, and it's interesting. So Josh, if you're listening or watching, I I'm on the Wikipedia page and the story here is a little different than the, the story that the bartender told us. So apparently it's a, it's a Chicago thing. And, um, the bartender 
at the the Caddyshack um, Sadness Restaurant, um, pulls out this bottle, pours shots, and and you just you just you just shoot it. You don't you don't sip it. You don't savor it. You straight down. And basically, the the story that the bartender tells has to do with like it was a um, a, a pre prohibition uh, beverage that um, that this person was peddling as medicine, and how they avoided uh, prohibition was that they got uh, whatever legal authorities to buy off that this this uh um real bitter citrus grapefruit malort liquor was indeed medicine um so let me read from the the wikipedia basically it's um in the 1930s uh carl jepson who is a swedish immigrant to chicago began marketing his homemade brew he sold it from door to door for medicinal and other purposes one legend says he preferred the strong taste because uh, years of smoking had dulled his taste buds. Attorney George Brode purchased the original recipe from Jepson and created the famous Jepson's Malort testimonial that once appeared on every bottle. I don't know what that means. Um, uh, it was made in Chicago until the 1970s. Um, and the, the company has changed hands, um, a couple times. Uh, I should have had this more sorted out, but basically like it's, so it's, it, it is a, um, well, let's see, uh, Jepson's Malort is named for Carl Jepson, a Swedish immigrant who first distilled and popularized the liquor in Chicago. Uh, Malort is the Swedish word for wormwood, which is the key ingredient in Basque, a bitter flavored type of uh, Swedish liqueur. Um, Malort is known for its bitter taste. It can be found in some Chicago area taverns and liquor store and is gaining uh, growing in popularity there, but it is hard to find elsewhere in the United States. So uh, basically, yeah, so it, it is a Chicago-centric, Chicago-specific thing, and this dude happened to have a bottle underneath the bar at the Caddyshack Sadness thing, and we had it, and um, my immediate was response was, I don't know that I hate it. So it, it has a very uh, tart, bitter grapefruit tang to it, and it just kind of lingers. It does it does kind of have a uh, medicinal texture or quality to it. Um, I would not want to drink more than a couple shots, and we ended up having a couple shots. Um, so, but yeah, so so it was it was cool um, hanging out with with Josh great dude uh but then we had uh we had dinner plans we uh we uh the mike cyber radio podcast and the autopod decepticast were going to meet with a couple of our friends at something called the sugar factory 
I don't know if you call, heard of the sugar factory before. I certainly had it. Um, we were meeting with our friends, uh, local area cosplayers of uh, Bono and Mandy, and um, they couldn't make it to the convention, but they um, they wanted to hang out with us and were available for dinner. And so they they show up in full costume. Um, uh, Mandy was in, uh, you know, a, a human former uh, Rodimus inspired uh, get up and Bono was rocking the the human former uh, uh, Starscream with the crown and um skipping ahead when we make it when we made it to the sugar factory there's there's like a candy throne you can sit on i did not think to bring my starscream throne for folks to play with interact with and sit on which was silly i feel real dumb but um i'm kind of going all over the place so 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 ryan tells us like sometime previously maybe even before we left for chicago that um that that we were going to have dinner at at a, a sugar factory and it's just like uh, okay whatever but then we leave and again we've had a couple shots of malort and a couple other beverages as well so pre-funk was in full effect we um we head out and i have an idea if we're getting a ride share or a car, or where this is, or even how far it is. Remember when I have said previously in the past that um, a piece of advice is to do some research about the surrounding area of the conventions. You know, figure out where the restaurants are, figure out where the store is, figure out where you're going to eat. I am two for two on not doing that um twice so in 2018 i didn't even leave the the convention premises um and i was kind of prepared for that this time but then my hand was kind of forced with the closure of the visibility bar and uh caddyshack being such a nowhere scene but you know, I didn't know where anything was. Meanwhile, my uh, my buddy Anthony Bricali, uh, tfu.info, is uh, soliciting me and uh, Gail from uh, Steel City Bots. Uh, like, oh, you guys got to go check out uh, Kuma's, the um, this uh, this burger place. That one I did look into, and it was it was it was a bit out of uh, distance when you don't have a car and um, trying to trying to save money on ride chairs. So anyway, no Kumas, but we, uh, we all leave to make our way towards the sugar factory and Ryan is in the lead. He's kind of like the, the whole ringleader of this whole thing. And he starts walking. We start following. We're kind of heading towards the mall. Now I know from earlier that there's a mall, (laughs) um, but then he's like, okay, well, let's go this way. And we start drifting diagonally across parking lot. And I'm just like, where are we going? Are we getting a car? It's like, what, what, what is, you know, are we going to get there on time? We cut across diagonally. We go through the parking garage and we turn a corner and I see these bright lights 
and all I see is uh, bright lights, restaurants, um, lots of restaurants, like a bowling alley, a movie theater, a comedy club. It looks like goddamn downtown Disney. It looks like goddamn Universal City Walk. And in the center of it is like the this um, oval pad that presumably in the wintertime will become a ice skating rink. And it's just like, what the hell is this? Turns out it's the Parkway Bank, uh, yeah, Parkway Bank Park Entertainment District. And it's... It's a sizable con uh, from from the description. It's a sizable complex with eateries and entertainment, including a comedy club, cinema, and bowling alley. And this thing was there the whole time. Presumably, it was there back in 2018, um, and it was there the whole time. So that's um, fascinating thing. And again, had I followed my own advice of checking the surroundings and knowing what was around, it was maybe a 10-minute walk, probably less. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so we get there and it's just like, oh my God, all of this. And um, briefly, uh, the Sugar Factory... Um, so, so there's a couple locations around the country. There's one in Vegas. There's one in LA, I think, and and a couple others. Um, it's loud, and it's um, it, it's definitely something from the mind of a TikTok influencer, <laughs> presumably, because it just it just screams. Uh, ADHD influencer brain. Um, it's loud club music. It's disco balls. It's uh, light shows. It's um, ice cream sundays with fireworks coming out of them, and not just like lame sprinklers. It's not like a like a like a Ferrellis or something like that. Where, uh, but I mean, there's like practically like Roman candles, like shooting out of these things, like, like actual, like fire hazard stuff. Um, it's crazy, but, um, but it was a grim, I, 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 I would say that it, the, the vibe was like, Oh, how did I, I call it? I said, um, it was, a cheesecake factory of the club, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just like this whole thing fever dream um of uh, good uh company was even better and after a while kind of similar when you uh go in the water whether it's whether it's warm or cold or whatever eventually you acclimate to the water you get used to it that was kind of the same thing with the with the sugar factory after a while you don't hear the thumping club music as much and you just have conversations with folks and it and it's and it's great. but um we finished dinner and then it's the 10 back to hotel sadness and this um i mean again it, it was i don't even know if, if it was 11 because like 
dinner reservation was at eight. We get there and it, and it was interesting because, you know, I didn't know anything of Sugar Factory, but like I'm seeing the lobby and it's a, it's a actual candy store. And I'm just like, um, Hey Caleb, is there, is there like actual food at this thing? Uh, because like at that point I was, um, I was hungry. <laughs> I was, uh, um, I was, uh, I was ready for dinner. Um, and fortunately there was, and, and, but anyway, so we, so we go back to, uh, sadness central and it's, I mean, again, maybe 10, maybe 11. I don't even remember. Um, but it's like, um, this, the, the group on Saturday, uh, restaurant management was a little more forward than they were on Friday. It was like, okay, well, um, um, I had, I had a drink and, um, uh, dude was like, drink up. I'm like, huh? He's like, we're closing up, uh, you know, uh, wrap it up. And I was like, oh, okay. So I finished my drink and you know, when you have, have a, a large group there, there was, I don't know, maybe 10 of us at that point. No, not 10 of us. It was like, Caleb, me, Mandy. Um, okay. There were seven of us. Um, anyway, so, um, we, we're slowly making our way out, you know, settle up our bills and, um, because they're cosplayers, you know, they, they take photos everywhere. And Aaron, um, had a nice camera. So he's taking pictures of them, like in the lobby and my dude, the same guy who rolled up to us earlier and, and like was pouring us shots of the Malort. He's like, he's like, no, really, you guys need to go like, you know, take it outside. And it, it was just, it, it was frustrating. I was, I was mad. I was, I was actually mad. Um, but once we end up on the other side and, and dude, like closed the door and locked it behind us. Um, we connect with a, a group, um, a, a posse of folks uh, hanging out again in the abandoned invisibility bar. But they're also doing like, um, I, I can't call it a drink and draw because there was no drinking because all the bars were closed. But we we run into um, new folks. I see um, uh, Andy um, caught back up with him. Um I met a cat, uh, Sam, uh, from, uh, Sam's forge. Uh, he came all the way over here from London to sell some 3d printed, uh, uh, customs. I think he was doing some stuff with, uh, uh, Grimlockamus maybe. I, I don't know, but, um, but we, we had some lengthy conversations about, you know, the, 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 sadness of our our bar we were kind of comparing it to tf nation and that vibe and that, that feel and all of that and um i also uh met uh honu torch i got myself a, a um button of sure shot from him he he had a number of buttons um uh on uh on the jacket and it's like well i'll, I'll take the optimus and um takes it off gives it to me and it's like well it, it's actually sure shot and now that i look at it if like you get like the the chest area yeah you can you could tell that 
that that evokes that that G two uh, sure shot um, European character um, aesthetic. But I, I thought these uh, thought the buttons were pretty cool, and he's got his uh, um, Twitter handle on the back. Um, but yeah, man, I I thought um, um, I I thought that was super cool. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, so once again. Despite the con being dead, I managed to stay up way too late. But the thing that was funny, though, that I wanted to come to, because, like, on this schedule... Oh, that plastic makes so much noise. On the on the actual schedule, and yes, I printed this out because, I'm again, I'm a ex-boomer. Um, 9 p.m. TFCon after party, 21 plus at the visibility bar. So that's... That's how it how it was on Thursday night before I left work. I didn't print this at home. I put it at work. Visibility bar, and I I was getting into um, uh, uh, I don't know if arguments is the right word, but agreements with with folks like Diecast and Melvar saying like I'm pretty sure it says visibility bar. Uh, they bring it up on their phones. No, it's Caddyshack. I just looked online on the website. It does indeed say Caddyshack. They they changed it. Um, one of the things that came up during the organizer Q and A on Sunday was um, apparently they didn't know that the visibility bar had been permanently closed. Whether that's accurate or not, I couldn't say. I don't know. But the, but that. That's what Colin said. It's like, oh, we didn't know. But even so, there was no festivity at Visibility Bar um, to to speak of. Um, and the folks that hadn't figured out like where the the Parkway Park was, um, like we had, um, were just kind of stuck. Um, I hung around. Um, with, uh, with Andy and Sam and, uh, um, Hanu and, um, I forget who else was in that crew, but I, you know, I, I eventually, um, uh, checked out. I was, uh, I was tired. Um, I didn't do any room parties. I didn't do any parts parties. So I didn't, I didn't go to the room with the, the, um, adult themed um and i'm not trying to to um start drama but um there there's there there's some residual um uh drama or bad feelings or bru- there, there's some residual bruised feelings with um us folks um i i i have no interest in in going to a room party hosted by CC, so that that that's that's just me. That's just my taste, but whatever. Uh, Icon Online was a long time ago. I I need to I need to let go. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, so that that was uh, uh but room parties were happening, and a lot of folks were um finding stuff, buying stuff, and and having a really great time. I I missed the a uh, room party pub crawl with the transmissions guys that that's a DFCon tradition with those uh with those folks um so I was bummed I missed that but yeah it was just um between 
uh, visiting and talking with folks. Um, and then, yeah, I just got tired and wanted to, wanted to go to bed. So then that, that includes Saturday. I knew I had a lot to say and I knew I had a lot of notes. I don't know if I knew it was this much. Um, so, but, but Sunday, Sunday comes and it's a pendulum swing, hard pendulum swing from Sunday to Saturday. Um, I had talked about how the deal room was packed on Saturday on Sunday, almost completely dead. Uh, the first panel I went to go, um, attend was at 11 a.m. It was a Q&A with Ron Friedman. So for those of you keeping track, this is now the third Ron Friedman panel that I've been to. And um, have you ever been in a situation where you swear you're going to remember something? It's like, oh, I don't need to write this down. I'm going to remember it. I thought that way as I was, because like the things that Ron Friedman were saying were so bizarre and provocative. There's no way that I'm going to forget about this. Three days later, well, shoot, even the next day, I've kind of forgotten. Um, but my buddy Caleb caught up with me and we watched a chunk of that uh, panel um, together. Um, he... When did he tell the Orson Welles story? Um, I've lost track. He 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 tells that story all the time, so I don't know. But like he had, um, oh, he had told a very personal story. Actually, it's it's knocking loose now. Um, he had told a very personal story about why he was a feminist. And again, as as I said earlier, I kind of um, rejected that notion, but but. I was already turning around, but this, this, him telling the story really kind of, um, solidified it for me. He was a story about, so his, uh, father passed away when he was relatively young. So it was just him and his mom. And apparently because of that situation and the, and the, it was, um, gentlemen would always, I uh, would often, hit on Ron Friedman's mom and he told this story. And again, there's, there's kids in the audience. So it's not necessarily the most appropriate story for the room, but it's no less impactful. He tells the story about how, um, the, the plumber, the milkman or somebody was more or less trying to force themselves on his mom. And he gets a baseball bat and and starts defending his mom and and himself. Nearly beats this dude to death. And um, it it was just um, it was just one of those things where um. In the aftermath of it, it was just like, oh, well, you know, we're, you know, we was, we was just playing and, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's, you know, very dismissive of all that, you know, this coming from the dude that, that, that just gotten beat up. But, um, yeah, very weird. And, but it was like, I forget, 
what else he said, but there was another component of it also that uh, just just the perspective of uh, Ron Friedman feeling the need to be the man of the house and to be defensive over his mother and what he saw his mom go through, not just in, in, in that instant, but just... Um, you know, just in general, just trying to be a a single parent in olden times. I don't don't remember what it was. I won't. You know, I I I would be silly if I were if I were to guess. But um, dude's ninety years old, so um, you'd have to do the math on that for when guy was a teenager. Um, but anyway, I uh, um, I understand. Uh, Ron Friedman's feminism a little better than I did previously um, because I think anybody um, who's been raised by a single mom can can relate and uh, can understand with that you know the the um, you know just being being a, a symbol of uh, female empowerment and and how that you know ultimately translates into him creating and writing um, strong female characters. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I've said a lot of things about the RC character, but let's not forget that he also wrote those um, G.I. Joe five-parters. And G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, is um, filled with uh, terrific female characters you know uh, uh scarlet lady j uh um cover girl baroness you know just just to just to name a few and the thing that that was always cool about, about the the female joe characters is it didn't feel elbow nudgy like like scarlet was just the intelligence officer you know it, it was just like it wasn't like oh man it's a whole woman um, whereas even like RC f- feels that way because she's very pink and you know, she's very much the Smurfette of the group. She's very much the girl transformer. Whereas the, the, the female Joe characters never really felt, um, felt like that. The, the, there, there was more of a authenticity there. Um, but anyway, I, after, so after that panel, um, I went to go uh, record with the transmissions guys. Um, more dealer room. I, uh, uh, I I know I saw them a few other times throughout the convention, but but um, got to hang out with the Cracktastic Plastic guys. Um, you know, Jason and Spooty. Uh, it was it, it, we we hung tough for for um, more than a couple minutes. Um, ran into the, the Swerve's bar crew, got some, uh, got some stickers. Um, I also, uh, spent some time with both Jesse and Paul with, uh, uh, robots with coffee, uh, which is, uh, um, a, a really fun, uh, comic fairy, um, uh, slice of life, uh, type of stuff. But I, um, I, I forget what I had from them before, but basically they, they were offering all of their comics for, for a bundle price. So I that, and then I get, um, get an extra piece of 
art. Uh, very evoked there. Um, uh, yeah, no, just just really neat stuff. Um, funny, uh, uh, funny little comic. Uh, Robots with coffee, check it out. But also, um, I didn't bring it with me. I don't have it on me, but. Um, uh, but Paul uh, gave me a copy of his EP uh, from his band Hired Goons, um, which uh, has several songs about the Simpsons Halloween. Show, and it also has a song about everybody's uh, basic bitch seeker uh, Starscream. So I, um, I have not listened to it yet. I'm very eager to get into it, though. Um, but then... Um, by then, it's getting to be about uh, four o'clock. It, it's uh, the the podcaster panel is at uh, four thirty, I th- think. Let's see how I'm all looking here. So, oh god, podcaster roundtable four thirty, uh, four o'clock convention organizer panel. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't four o'clock. It was like three thirty or something like that. Um, more or less, I I do a last run through the dealer room, um, get my um, uh, Soundwave pin from Plushy, uh, which I had been meaning to do but hadn't made it to that uh, fan art area. Um, oh, there that 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 comes through a little better. Um, but yeah, I grabbed um, I grabbed that. Um, and really it was in that last run that I bought most of, uh, most of the other stuff. I already shot off, um, the, uh, reissue, uh, sideswipe bike, but I also bought another storybook box that is, oh, it's right over here. Here's the bag. I also grabbed issue tracks um i god these boxes are so cool um i just just love the 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 grab of the velcro and the little book inside and everything's all in japanese but never had a g1 tracks before um so this is actually technically my first experience with the mold um i i'm really excited to mess around um see uh see where his wings pop out from or or whatever's but yeah no it's um um so uh, you know we uh, i i think in the let's transformers episode i did with the transmissions guys you know we kind of talk about things and eclectic collections my my collection is if i were to use a f- word it would be unfocused um i've I've said that to others and I've gotten a little pushback saying, well, no, it's not unfocused. It's eclectic. You collect a lot of a little or a little of a lot, depending upon, you know, so it's like, I've got my Boba Fett's, I've got my skies. Um, I've got my, my sideswipes, Um, and I've got the, the collection storybook box that I'm very slowly, um, uh, collecting. I think I have, six of them fortunately it's finite there's uh there are only 21 but the problem is is i'm going to start running out of relatively cheap ones and getting to a point where i'm going to have going to have to make some awkward choices with regard 
upwards to some expensive one. I I saw the Insecticons three pack for a hundred bucks. I almost bought it. Um, I saw Starscream um, one with the DVD for a hundred, and I think I saw one without the DVD for oh gosh, eighty. 90 i don't i don't remember but um i was i i wanted to get a little more bang for my buck so i got tracks and sideswipe instead of say like just insecticons um but that that model isn't isn't going to be uh sustainable because uh, i'm gonna run out at some point anyway um what else did i get what what do i have um so yeah, th- this is actually like oh, <laughs> um, I almost had like an unresolved tease. Um, it wouldn't be a Transformers uh, convention if I didn't buy a GI Joe. Uh, so I got um, I got a a, a ten dollar gung ho off of. He's he's complete, but I, I left the rest of his uh, like his his cover and his backpack, and other guns at home. But um, oh yeah, that's that that's still that's still maple bourbony. So, so I buy this gung ho figure off the deuce, um, 10 bucks, no big deal. But I, I went to go pack it in the bag and I didn't realize that the bag I was using was the same 7-Eleven bag that I had my beef jerky in and it, and it was, uh, it was brown sugar bourbon flavored beef jerky. And now this gung ho action figure smells like um uh brown sugar bourbon beef jerky which everybody on twitter has said well that's exactly what gung ho should smell like and yeah i mean between like you know and this is a great figure i never thought i would be into gung ho but i i like it um i i like his guns um, and this is, was kind of like one of the last of the, uh, we're trying to make the Joes kind of temporary and futurized kind of give them kind of like the Fortnite treatment a little bit, like, you know, with like the shoulder pads and the, and the extra guards and all that other stuff. I think this was of one of the last figures before they just decided to do, uh, updates of the 1980s characters but i really like it i mean it's like it's a it's a um a great um head sculpt um i like how the vest sits on him and but yeah no he's just a he's just a shirtless dude with a with a big tattoo on his on his chest uh that that smells like like brown sugar bourbon uh, but yeah, no, I, um, I like this guy a lot and, and I'm glad I was able to, to, uh, keep that tradition alive and pick up a, a GI Joe at a, a Transformers convention. In fact, I saw a lot of GI Joes, um, a lot of crim guards, um, didn't want to pay 30 bucks for them. Um, I, I have the Walmart ones coming, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to get cheap. Um, if they do, I, I'm, I'm going to have to snag a couple more because I really like Crimson Guard. I really like that, that, that uh, the, the classified version of it. Um, Chosen Prime had Outback 
uh, Tiger Force Outback. I mean, it was forty five bucks, but like, um, we're we're seeing people constantly getting target emails saying like, oh man, shipping delay. Oh man, delay, and and orders being canceled. So to see right there in the box, I I almost bought one, and. I don't even care about Outback that much. I don't even care about Tiger Force that much. Um, I, I think I think I like Python Patrol more than uh, more than a uh, Tiger Force, but um, but still, it's interesting. Excuse me. It's interesting in this collecting space where um, you can be influenced by scarcity. Like, I don't care about Cosmos, but if I see them at a Walmart, I'm buying it. Um, now, what I would do after I bought it is I would track with a friend that doesn't have one already, give them a, a homie hookup deal and, you know, just be friends helping friends. I don't want it. But I also know that since it is so scarce and it is so rare that it would be almost in bad form for me to not buy it because it's there um and if i don't then somebody else will and i don't know if that's better i don't know if that's worse um it it, it it's it, it's a hard one so but that's how i felt about Outback. it's like do i want to buy it just because it's there and ultimately i didn't um too much too much of a, a strain on my budget um so i i was more than happy just to get a ten dollar gung-ho that now smells like beef jerky so um but yeah no that's uh, uh that's not everything i bought but it's um um portion of it um i didn't do any art i didn't do any commissions in fact i didn't i didn't really get to that end of the uh dealer room very much i think i kept getting distracted uh friends and just um just chatting um and, and again i got no uh, commissions i did run into jimmers um the and his uh distortion productions um and um that dude's just uh, just a good dude i always like hanging out with him and i'm glad that he is healthy and with still making um industrial heavy metal covers of uh, the transformers uh, the movie soundtrack um i uh, speaking of friends i saw thomas deer uh hung around with him for a few and his buddy colin um he is at um uh fair play things on twitter um talked a lot of gi joe um and then and then that was it it was like you know you go into the closing ceremony they announce um, I actually, it was a little bit of a gaffe because, um, the slide that was on the screen was for the current convention, um, Chicago. And then what Colin wanted the, the person to do was advance the slide to the next convention, which is TFCon LA, which will be at the end of March next year. But they either had the slides... Uh, positioned wrong or um or something else the slide comes up for tf Kando. so um with tf con there are three here 
um, or at least there used to be two, but like they, I think they've the the model is sustainable. Where it seems like you got like West Coast in the spring, Canada in summer, and East Coast in fall, and um, and I there there was um there was discussion about um who's excited for what and folks asked me where are you gonna go and i go well i i've been to tfcon la twice it's a great show it's a hard recommend i i need to go again though i think maybe it's contingent on guest uh speaking of I mean, so for me, I guess the the last biggest guest announcement would be Frank Welker um, in terms of like folks that I need to uh, sign my poster. Um, I don't know who else is available that's still alive. If I need to watch the movie again and the voice cast again to figure out who is um, still with us and who was actually in the movie like that there's a lot of voice actors that i haven't had signed my poster because they weren't in the movie it's specifically a transfers the movie poster so gives a little bit of limitation there but but i will confess that with my buddy aunt living in orlando that makes it very tempting now coincidentally it's all so his daughter's birthday weekend. So um, don't know how much conventioning he would actually be doing, but there there would at least be like a like a bar appearance, provided it's not the Caddyshack Sadness restaurant that that, that closes and kicks you out. Um, so that's a dude I need to interact with um, in a, in person in real life. Now whether it's this time or or somewhere down the line, uh, that remains to be seen. But I, I think, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it's like maybe both, maybe neither, maybe one or the other. I, I'm at a spot now where I, honestly, I, I, I have no idea. Um, aside from um, hanging out with Ant, um, actually, you know what? I do know from my uh, friendship with George Soroy that uh, Victor Caroli lives down that way. So he, he lives in uh, Naples, I think. So get a Victor Caroli signature on uh, on the poster. That's enticing. That's enticing. So probably what will happen. No, what, what I think could happen. I don't know anything about anything. Is maybe maybe a Frank Welker for a for a TFCon LA. Then you get you get a Victor Cole for a for a TFCon Orlando. That kind of means I have to go to both. So we'll see. I I keep you posted. Um, but yeah. So um, so af- after that announcement. It's on to the podcast channel, which again is the current episode of Transmissions. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, uh, the, the the dude who I haven't researched uh, his name is, but the the uh, uh, Sons of Primus podcast were out in the 
audience they they were uh, um shooting some video gave us a shout out so um i've since followed them on twitter uh probably want to uh, connect and do something uh later um closed out having dinner with um uh well no closed a portion of the night uh having uh dinner with diecast and melvar we found a uh sports bar uh tavern thing over back at the parkway park and i i I loved how this went because like i was like um as soon as we get off the panel it's like hey have you guys eaten no I, i i could definitely eat and i tell them and they they haven't they they didn't go to the movie they didn't go to sugar factory they didn't do any of this stuff so i was like how um are you guys up for an adventure well what do you mean so i take them the 10 minutes across parking lot they had no idea that stuff was there either and i think they had been going going to the convention longer than i had so anyway uh, it, it was it was a terrific time and we got there in enough time for me to watch the last bit of the Seahawks game. So that, that was, that was exciting. Um, but then after that, back to the hotel and then at a time where I should have been making good choices, we found a group, another group of folks to hang out with back to the VIP lounge. Uh, there was a couple folks from the convention staff as well as a, a few others. It was kind of like a mixed bag of, uh, folks. Um, we hung tough for a long time, talked a lot of stuff, a lot of insider stuff, but um, I, I uh, uh, turned in relatively early after that, uh, I took some pics of some of my balls, and then went to bed. Monday morning comes around, and my flight wasn't at like 11.45, so I was able able to, to leisurely, but, um, but I, I, got, I got moving early. And to bring the story all the way back around, um, uh, oh my gosh, have I really been t- talking to you for almost four hours? Jesus. Um, to, to bring this all the way back around, um, I didn't leave myself enough time to get to the airport uh, in Seattle. Almost missed my flight. This time, I got moving early, checked out. Uh, goodbye to Ryan. He was there in the lobby. Um, caught the airport shuttle at nine. Uh, got to the airport shortly after that. Um, I got there two hours early. Checked in, dropped off my bag, and then walked right through security. So I'm not familiar enough with uh, Chicago O'Hare in terms of how the airport works, but. What I know is that there was a there was a single line with not a lot of backup and basically like or lineup I mean so I I essentially walked through security and was through I don't know 20 minutes top so I have I have almost 2 hours on my hands as opposed to at SeaTac where um I almost missed my flight. So instead, I, I, I go to a sports bar. There was this Cubs bar. Um, and I get breakfast, Bloody Marys, and I find out after I cash out that those were doubles. And no one, I was feeling no pain. Um, got on a plane, um, 
finished uh, watching everything, everywhere, all at once. What a great movie, by the way. Um, I, I don't have the energy or bandwidth to to give much of a review now, but is it is the movie that the multiverse of it should have been. Um, terrific performances and um, wildly original and delightfully strange. And, um, yeah, just, uh, just, it, it, it was a great movie and, and I am kicking myself for waiting so long to watch it. I'd been meaning to watch it for a few months and I just, um, I just didn't do it. And so it, it shouldn't have taken me an airplane ride to get on it because it is, it is a wonderful movie and, um, uh, well worth your time. Uh, everything everywhere all at once big thumbs up for me um and then so i get home get back to seattle and it's raining um so the smoke has been dissipated the air quality is back to good but yeah it is it is raining and um um so i i left chicago behind and went back to rainy seattle and um the end um, so that, that is, that, that was my, uh, TF, TF con Chicago. And, um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, obviously this, uh, um, certainly wasn't comprehensive, um, or, um, which, which is now that I say that since, uh, this was almost four hours, but, um, yeah, no, it was just uh, it, it was a trip time, but like there there was so much I didn't do, and uh, how many panels I didn't go to. I would have loved to have seen the the cosplay contest. Um, I would have liked to have gotten into the Peter Cullen panel, but that ended up being a bit of a fiasco. Um, unfortunately, um, some some poor strategy and and learning opportunities there, um, but. I mean, even even those little speed bumps. I mean, just what what a terrific experience, um, and just a just a a wonderful wonderful celebration of friendship. So keep you posted on if I go to I plan to go to either of the TF cons next year, um, and um, yeah, maybe I'll do a, a little better job of journaling and maybe recap some of this stuff in a more concise uh fashion um but with that i think that will wrap things up for this thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me and if you want to listen to my podcast mike side radio you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, stitcher google Podcasts, spotify tune in or wherever you listen to your podcast like share rate and review the show let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future my name is mike this has been mike seibert radio and until next time tell all our one make good choices